the documentary, as great as it was, didn't affect my opinion at all. And I think for most people that were alive for the era, it didn't change their opinion. Jenna, you said the poll has to sting. I think the fact that 27% of people think LeBron's the greatest shows about a 25% increase over just the last four years. It was June 21st, 2016, when I went on Colin Coward's show two days after Game 7 of the Finals against the Warriors and said LeBron was the greatest player ever. Not that he could be, that he already was. And at that point, I think it was 98% to 2% in favor of Jordan. So I think you're seeing a, a steady uptick of people coming to this realization. And I want to say something about Michael Jordan before I get to the LeBron part. People think I hate Michael Jordan. Couldn't be further from the truth. I, I fell in love with basketball in large part because of Michael Jordan. He was, at the time, the greatest player ever in my favorite sport, and I do sports for a living. This argument has never been about what Jordan isn't or wasn't. It's about, for me, what LeBron is. And what LeBron is is bigger, stronger, faster. He's done it against far tougher competition. Every team he's beaten in the finals is better than any of the teams Jordan beat. He's done it with coaches ranging from downright awful to pretty good, as opposed to having the GOAT coach for his entire run of championships. He's done it longer. He's done it in, in a more variety of ways. His biggest weakness became his biggest strength. The guy who once we doubted how clutch he was, now has more buzzer beaters, more game winners in the playoffs than any player ever, has more points per game in elimination games and game sevens than any player ever, and his game translates to any era. Drop LeBron James in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, or right now, and he's the best player in the league at any given time. So it's never been Jordan can't, Jordan isn't, Jordan wasn't. It's just been a guy came around who's bigger, stronger, faster, a more versatile defender, can play all five spots, can guard all five spots, has done it far longer, and has done it at a higher level, Broussard. So, no, it hasn't changed my opinion, but I do think opinions are changing on this, the fact that one in four people think it is LeBron. All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoke Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Dad's in the background running everything, making this thing work and make it operate the way we want it to, or at least the best way possible. And then we have our special guest tonight, none other than Sports Radio 810 WHB's very own Darren Smith from The Ship. Darren, how are we doing tonight, my friend? Absolutely. I th- we, we were talking before the show, and I... I was racking my brain. I'm pretty sure Darren now is in the lead as far as special guests are concerned for the Spoken Podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And I actually think that Darren has been on our show in every studio that we've done this show in. So needless to say, I think Darren's our new MVP around here, guys. So I think we need to get a little plaque or some action around here with Darren Smith's face on it, letting everybody know that he's the one that's in the lead of the, uh, yes, the pack be, right now. I'll be sure to do that. I'll be sure face right we got to get some good photoshop i don't want any of that yes. crap i can do on my cell phone i'm talking like some high quality h2o up in this bitch you know what i mean so no it's it's really good to have our, our guy darren in here tonight we really appreciate it and as we alluded guys you know why we're here you know you know why our guy darren is here for episode 64 um and we're gonna get to that trust me when i say uh we have a lot of discussion when it comes to who is the greatest nba player of all time is it lebron james is it Michael jordan and my guy darren called me out and I was like, you know what? I think it's time. I think, you know what? We've had him on the show now a few times. We've never really gotten to talk NBA the way we've wanted to, especially in this regard. Let's make that happen now. And the biggest reason why is because of the fact of what just finished up. And that is the 10-piece series called The Last Dance. Now, you guys know we are no strangers to this, despite the fact that I had a text before the show of somebody asking me if I actually watched this thing. I, I guess I my social medias haven't been getting loud enough. I need to get a little bit louder when it comes to what we're watching and what we're talking about. But episode 10, episode 9 and 10 finally wrapped up this last Sunday. We got a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm, I'm assuming my guy Darren has a lot of thoughts on the series as well. Uh, you, you, can, you can call it a documentary. You can call it a series of, of firsthand accounts and a few other friends talking about things, whatever you want to call it. The yeah. fact is we, we got, we got something out of Michael Jordan and it's something that we all looked at. Gat was talking about the show about how, you know, we're going to see now this trend of other former greats or current greats wanting to do their own 10 piece series or nine piece series. But if we're all going to be honest here for a second, that isn't how it works because of the fact that we all know there is a, a certain cachet when it comes to Michael Jordan and how people want to know his story because of the mythology that follows it. Darren, I want to get your thoughts immediately as you hang out with LeBron and Mike back, back there behind you. Um, give, give us a little bit of your, your thoughts in, in episode 9 and 10, but in, in general for this entire series, what was your ultimate takeaway when you watch that, when you think back of all these episodes and the information they gave us? Well, first of all, let me say again, thank you for. Uh, I do want to say that I do not hate LeBron James. I just don't think he. Fair enough. Has a Michael Jordan. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so we we'll had that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But um, uh, but that being said, no, I thought it was probably the most docu-series, document, you know, however you want to call it. I know people have come out, Horace Grant, Craig, there's a few others uh, kind of dissing it, but. Um, you know, this is. I, I I had this conversation with Chris Broussard, and people will hear it on Sunday on the show. And basically, you know, for people like that, Horace and others who are kind of hating on it or, or talking about it being, you know, it's geared towards one pretty much one minute thing. Well, that's what people cared about. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, people don't care about you, Horace Grant, like mm -hmm. they care about Michael Jordan. It was because of Michael Jordan you won the championships you won. And made the money that you made when you moved to uh, got you know got to Orlando. Uh, now look, he he said that he couldn't have done what he done without Scottie Pippen, and that's true because he mm -hmm. didn't win without him. And so um, I, I thought I thought it was revealing. You know, obviously we've heard we've we've heard stories about why he may have uh, left for retirement. I thought uh, among others, you know, um, you know it has something to do with his gambling habits and his father getting murdered and stuff like that when basically he was just living his dream of being a baseball player as his father wanted him to do. And he would have done that sooner, but the fact that 
Bird Magic hadn't three-peated before. He wanted to be the first of that, you know, that group and that and that generation to uh, to do that and to be able to do it twice again. That's uh, you know, again, that's for for the conversation that we have that we're going to have. But I, I really thought, you know, for some, you know, for the document or ten piece or ten part. I thought the only thing that I would compare it to, and even though it's kind of a FX type series, but you know, but the OJ Simpson, you know, yeah. that was something yeah. that was a captivating piece, and uh, the portrayal of Johnny Cochran by by Courtney B. Vance uh, in that, and Cuba Gooding doing doing the job of OJ Simpson in that in that uh, documentary, you know, was, was pretty good, obviously. But ESPN, they they did do the documentary which they won an Oscar for. For O.J. Simpson, and I'm talking about the FX earlier, but ESPN they did the documentary yeah. for O.J. Simpson. So based off of that, and then just the uh, the hype going into it because they dropped the trailer. If people remember, they dropped the trailer in December, just out of out of the blue, out of nowhere. And so once they did that, you saw social media. Oh man, we can't wait till June. And of course, again, we figured we had to wait till June to see this. And of course, when all this pandemic and stuff broke out, the fact that they were able to not only finish producing it, but get it put together to where they could, um, you know, be able to show it mid mid April going to when it just finished up last week. Uh, yeah, that's 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 good work on their part. And again, I, I think it was an excellent. I think it was excellent for for what it was. And you, know, you got a chance to look at uh, and and see a different part of Michael Jordan. You know, you heard the stories again about the practices and punching Steve Kerr, but you don't know what went into it and things like mm-hmm. that. And him beating, you know, punching Will well, Perdue. Well, the fact and, that Steve Kerr punched him first. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah, news to yeah. us too. I, yeah, and I didn't so, realize that. Uh, but you know, when I look, when I sit back and look at it, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was excellent, man. And to be honest, I really wish it was. I wish it was a two-part series. Yeah. I to watch. Oh yeah, as do we, because it's been great show and, and, and content nothing, for us. Well, what I would like, if nothing else. To at least show two hours of just an unedited sit down interview that the person did with, with, with Michael Jordan throughout, for, mm. you know, just so, just so you can hear that. Well, I'm glad you bring that part of it up because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm with you 100% in the fact that I was absolutely entertained by this every single week that it lasted all five weeks. Um, so much so that I told, you know, our, our, our team here, I was like, look, we have to detail this. We have to talk about this because this is history, not in the making. But in, 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 in rhyme pattern, like we're finally hearing some of the stuff that, that did happen, but we didn't know exactly did happen. And then, and then, you know, obviously all of us were looking forward to maybe getting some sort of closure or some sort of answer as to what took place in certain regards of, of, of the biggest stories of MJ's career, life, and legacy when it comes to his father. And is there any attachment to the gambling addiction or the gambling debts that he had? Um, when it comes to the flu game, which, by the way, if we can touch on that for just for a second, sure. the fact that, and I know Trevor and I had talked about this off air, we we've always kind of known that there was, there was, it wasn't a flu. Yeah, I, I, I heard about it as well that it was it was food poisoning and it had something to do with the pizza. Right, they reported uh, back then and it wasn't. Yeah, it just, right. Know, but like the flu flu, flu sounds so much yeah, better than just right. all food poisoning. Good. Right. Good marketing. And then you have, you know, you're going to have your people that will defend or take whatever MJ and his his people have said throughout the years and just believe it as gospel. But I've listened to Dan Patrick and I've listened to Colin Cowherd and several other guys on the national platforms, even Chris Broussard, as you had mentioned earlier, um, 
challenge the notion that we have been told all these years. And then when he came out and said, and his guys have come out and said, it was actually the food poisoning, things of that nature, that it ended, it ended up raising more questions and giving us answers. Because of the fact that the story hasn't lined up, and according to a guy named Craig Fight, who had come out of Utah on several platforms, national platforms this last week, his, his story has actually been um, validated. Um, and he's talked about how he was the guy that delivered the pizza. He was an actual Bulls fan. MJ fans. He made the pizza. He made the pizza, yes. Why do you wait so long? Why do you wait so long to come out and talk about it, though? That's the only thing that's weird to me. That's what makes this whole thing weird, right. But going going according to the story, there was not five guys that showed up to the hotel, and the hotel wasn't outside of of Utah, uh, Salt Lake City. It was actually very close to the stadium, in fact. And they were one of the few places that were still open. We have all heard the story now. The fact is, my question with all of that and because in all actuality, it doesn't matter because MJ went out there and dropped, I think, 38 points in that quote-unquote flu game. So he balled out. It didn't matter. And they won the game. Well, you deserve, they won you, the deserve, you deserve food poisoning if you're spitting on pizza and cleaning it as yours. <laughs> but, but the, That's an asshole move, The man. question I have to, to <laughs> you, Darren. Done, I've done that. Too, so. <laughs> you savage. Well, but here's the thing. My question to you, though, Darren, is you have 22 years to talk about this and, and, to, and to get your story straight or just come out and say, you know what, at the time – it was way the way we felt we needed we need to go about it. That's not what they did in this in this in this series. And what my theory is on this is based upon now what we have heard and the fact that the flu game wasn't even a flu game at all, and that it was quote unquote food poisoning. According to the habit I've seen MJ have, even in the in the series when he breaks down in '93 against the Knicks in Game Two, when he was horrible in that game, they lost that game. They went down 0-2. They went out to Atlantic City with his father till 2 a.m. According to reports. And that that backed that that backed into his brand a little bit. Five years later, now that he has become, well, I think, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I think he went. I think he gambled after game one, and they and they lost game two. You you might be right on that. Because uh, after after game two, they would have gone back to Chicago. So okay, fair enough, fair enough. So so in game two and game, three, he did not have good games, and then they touched they touched on how he had had that uh, night out with his father, some friends, according to him, and how they were out late. Yeah, John starts with getting him up. I think what happened is, in my my personal opinion, now that we've seen this story, this particular story unfold, uh, which to me has been the most controversial story of all of them, which is surprising seeing the other controversies that were in his career, is I think that MJ had himself a fun night because they just held the Jazz to 54 points, which is still the record for lowest points allowed in a final game in an NBA history. I think because Rodman went to WCW and they were kind of just loose. They knew this was the last dance. They knew they had the Jazz number. They were going to win this series, even though it was technically close. I think MJ had himself a fun night. I think he went out and had some drinks. I think he had himself a fun night, got drunk. We've all been drunk at least one time in our lives, and I know that when I'm drunk, I like to eat some carbs. I like to have some pizza, and I think that pizza actually was delivered. I think he really did have that pizza, but I don't think that's what actually got Jordan sick. I think he had himself a hangover, and he bowled out the next night. Who cares? That's my point. Why did we have to make up a story about this? Why can't you say these things the way it was? I think it's because he's protecting the brand. Can't necessarily blame him, but I think that's actually what it was. I think he's protecting the brand. If he said he got sick, no one's fighting him. But if he said, you know what, yeah, guys, I partied the night before and I got I was hungover, people are going to push back on that. What is your thoughts on that, Darren? Well, that was uh, that that's new to me. Fair enough. Uh, I I mean, my thought process is he was in his room at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And he had his team there. I mean, I think I think people would have known and would have would have been able would have been able to tell if he left the hotel to fly to Vegas or to have any type of fun. I mean, so I, I don't I don't think he went anywhere because 
I mean, there was people there to know that he was he was in his room in his hotel area, and you see he can't move without security. So that's that. Uh, but I mean, five guys can open his room, according to to him. So it's hard for me to believe he can't find a way out of a hotel, but five guys can find their ways to his room. That's the problem I well, have with the well, story. Well, according to the guy who came out, it was only two. So right, but they said, but MJ keeps, and his people are still saying five people yeah, showed to his room. People, the story keeps changing. Yeah, That's the problem. Yeah, the hallways. George is in the room. He doesn't care how many people are out there. He so. said specifically five, though. He gave us a number. It wasn't like there was a group of people. He said five individuals. And that's the story they stuck with. That's why I have the pushback. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the numbers, but, 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 but when you say, you know, China, you know, Jordan didn't say he had the flu going into, going into, going into game five, and that was NBC or maybe a Mara Shah, some Jordan never said he had the flu. Yeah. So that, I mean, so when you, when you say protecting the brand, that's something that NBC or whoever reported it said, Jordan, I mean, as you said, you know, Jordan has never said he had the flu. He said he had food poison. So I, I can't, I can't really rock with you on that because, you know, because that, that's, that's NBC media creation. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, the people, you know, I mean, we'll talk about Skip Bayless, you know, someone who, who says LeBron chokes and does this and does that, but you know, but it's kind of different from the facts of what you actually see with your eyes and ears and stuff like that. So, uh, again, you know, I didn't think he had to. I mean, whatever it was, he was sick. Right. I mean, he overcame whatever it was either way. Right. Yeah, I want to defend and, him. And I want to defend him. And I don't, I mean, you know, I mean, hell, he's a, he's a grown ass man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if he, right. He decides to stay up late at night and he's in his hotel room. Too many tequilas. That's what's so bizarre to me that like we, we have to sit here and break this down because I feel like in a lot of in I'm just saying in all actually it's it's been it's been a a, a driving force in, in media it's circuits lore. right now. Yeah, everyone's talking about that more far more than his gambling debts or anything of that nature. Maybe that's an, an, an intentional of of MJ to do that to try to deflect from other things he doesn't want us to touch on. Because if you actually watch the series again, I watched the episodes multiple times mm-hmm. and I noticed that there was that pattern where. A lot of the things when it came to the guy that even he had. Well, let's keep one thing about. He didn't have gambling debts. I mean, when we when you call it debt, it's, it's like you know, look, the man just paid in, may may not have his checkbook at the time to write a check, but the man was was worth hundreds of million dollars even at that time. According yeah. to a lot of reports, the guys he played golf with, yeah, I mean, okay, they they yeah, said yeah, he owed he, a lot he, of money to them. Yeah, but but a lot of money is compared to what you and I have compared to this man because. <laughs> Yeah, he's being paid at at that time. I think before ninety six, ninety seven, he's being paid four million dollars. Shoot deals alone. Yeah, but the shoot deals, Gatorade, yeah, yeah. Haynes. I mean, the man Dons. bringing in over a hundred million dollars. Yep. So it wasn't like he was broke. Right. I mean, everybody knew he, you know, he had. So, you know, gambling debt is okay. Well, I don't have the money on on me right now. Yeah. But I go. To- I mean, you know, it's going to clear. So I mean, so that that's why I say, you know, when we talk about. When, and we use certain words that have that pejorative meaning, like debt or something like that. We have to be relative when we're talking about debt. A million, a million dollar better or loss, or if someone want to debt, or the fifty-seven thousand dollar check that he wrote, that's a lot of money to us because we ain't got it like sure. just write a check. But that's, I mean, that's nothing for. I mean, yeah, he's worth two billion dollars, but even at that time, he's worth hundreds of million dollars. So that's yeah. that's. I mean, so, that yeah. So so again, when, when we talk about it, we got to put it in perspective. You know, of, of, of what, you know, when we say he was in debt, because that's not technically debt. I mean, it's debt to us. If we, if we, if we go out and gamble and we ain't got something to pay, that's right. something. He just, he just, he just don't have a checkbook or whatever on the golf course. A million dollars, okay. I mean, you know, so when he goes to Atlantic City, yeah, they can, they can marker. I mean, they can 
from whatever he wants because they don't have maybe half a million dollars in the ATM machine. But half a million, I mean, I mean, you know, it's gonna clear. So yeah. that's that's that's, I just that's to- fair. That's fair. Now, moving it, moving Trevor. I, you know, we watched this series together, but I, I want to get your thoughts overall when it comes to this series. What you took away from it in in, in its purest form, if you uh, will. it was badass. Too. Yeah, <laughs> it was entertaining, man, to say the least. I mean, it was it was nostalgic. You know, it could be a 90s kid growing up watching MJ. It was nostalgic. Uh, the timing of it being released and MJ giving the clearance to, uh, that's where I'm going to start, just from the clearance of when he was, he okayed the footage to be, you know, put out there to put. The- um, that was a the timing. That was great. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, man, yeah, it was. Like I said, I don't like to like every time I say documentary, I like to do the air quotes just because it wasn't really a documentary. More of a perspective piece is what I'll call it. Uh, just, which is not nothing wrong with that. It was MJ's perspective on how I, pretty much we saw everything through how we saw it through his eyes. Um, that tends to why we have a lot of guys coming out having issues with it. Even Rodman himself was having issues and talking about how he wasn't portrayed exactly the way he thought he should be. Um, you know what the 30 for 30 pieces are, right? Those, you know, people call documents, but right. it's from that person's perspective. perspective. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what, why those but, are great. And that's but, what this but, felt like. And that's what all documents an unauthorized biography. Well, it, that some a, doc, a true documentary is an unbiased outsider's look. Third party. That's what third, third party. Yeah, outlook, something yeah. documentation is when you're taking all of the footage, evidence, material, and you're just unbiasedly putting it out there and discussing it. That's a true documentary. That's not what this was, if we're being honest. Which is fine. It was very entertaining. Um, but see, there were some people's characters that were represented that they didn't necessarily like. But either way, I enjoyed. I loved seeing a lot of the players that I grew up watching, the players I grew up loving. Sky Pippen was one of my favorite players. Obviously my favorite player growing up most of my life. Um, so, but I mean, it was good to see the, the, the behind the scenes stuff with Phil Jackson. You got to know a much deeper level. And that was probably, honestly, my favorite thing about it is how he understood Robin more than anybody else. After when Robin wasn't with him, you know, he was kind of this lost soul out there. And I think he found himself with with uh, with Phil Jackson because they're both kind of obscured. You know, they're had they're very different, um, eccentric. So I love that aspect and getting to see that Rodman side with with Phil Jackson and and the the ability for Phil not only relate with Rodman, but all of the players in their own way. He understood he, he would he had no problem checking Michael when my, he felt Michael was being overboard on certain things, you know, um, and he was trying to be his understanding with Pippen because he knew Pippen was underpaid and he's, he felt the frustrations with him there. Um, so if anything, it showed me a lot that how much, even much more of a good coach that um, uh, Phil Jackson was. Um, but as far as, you know, the competition, I mean, we are, me and you are already kind of historians of the game. We love the game. We, we watch all the games. We even go back and watch the film. Um, I'm a, I love I loved the 90s era of basketball. It was fun. It was competitive. It was very top-heavy, but it was fun and competitive. Um, but as far as the only thing I'll say is the competition. I just there was a tough era. Sure, it wasn't 80s tough, but it was tough. Uh, it was it was it was star-driven, star-studded, but not many teams had multiple stars on their team. And the level of competition that was in the playoffs, making the playoffs. And in the finals, even with the the, the Supersonics right. series being called the greatest, uh, what was it? The greatest uh, or the biggest mismatch in finals history because it's so top heavy because the Bulls were favored by that much. That spoke a lot to me just by the level of competition that they were going against. 
uh, in the finals alone, not even just the Eastern Conference finals and their, their path. They had, they had faced tough players, but they didn't face too many tough teams in my mind as far as overall rosters go. Um, but, I mean, like I said, some uh, technical difficulties. In the meantime, we actually ordered a pizza uh, for everybody here, and we had five guys show up to the door in the studio, so I had a really bad feeling about it. So I ended up just eating the pizza by myself. So here's to our Joke's food. on you. I spit on that shit. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah. well, Darren was nowhere near it, so I know he didn't do anything to contaminate it, and Gat's over there on the computer. So this is to my – here's here's to the flu game slash the food poisoning game, guys. It's only going to get better from here. So I'll be dropping 38 points in no time. But, Darren, to get back to the basketball side of this documentary, I, this, is, this is the most important part for me because – when we talk about, and we're going to talk about in a minute, about the greatest players of all time and competition playing a factor into it, and I'm going to talk about that too in further detail. For me, this series showed a lot of, in my opinion, a lack of true competition for not just Michael Jordan, but for the Bulls in their entirety. Because of the fact that in their final three championships, in their final three championships, the Bulls averaged 89 points per game. Now, people will automatically say it was a different game back in those times. But I don't feel like that is a legitimate excuse as to why in an entire series against a rundown Jazz team, I understand that Stockton Malone were still really good players, but they were no longer in their prime. And for you to only score, you never score 100 points once in an entire series. Actually, both series, they didn't score 100 points against the Jazz. To me, is a problem, especially when you were still an easily top 10 offense in the NBA, in the NBA with still the best player in the NBA. To me, that shows, and I'm just going to say it, and I know you're probably going to disagree with me. Spare me anybody that wants to tell me that Bulls team of the 96, 97, 98 seasons would be able to be a dynasty in today's NBA. Because with twos, you can't trade with threes. What I mean by that is, you can't tell me that in a series against the 2016, 17, or 18 Warriors, that Bulls team would have been able to keep up offensively against that type of team when you're talking about matchups. Nobody in the history of basketball until Kevin Durant was like Kevin Durant that was shooting from 25 feet out at 7 foot tall at 40%. Wasn't happening. Larry Bird could have been that guy, but Larry Bird didn't last long enough and wasn't shooting enough outside to show us that he could have been a Kevin Durant. But even if that was the case, Kevin Durant is a better athlete than a guy like Larry Bird. So if that's the only example, that's not a good enough example from an athletic standpoint. But furthermore, the Warriors had four, and count, and I'm talking count it, four Hall of Famers in their prime in the starting lineup with Andre Iguodala as their fifth. To say that that matchup would go anywhere other than the Warriors winning in five or six games to me is disrespectful to the Warriors dynasty because even Phil Jackson knew that the Bulls were done. They were not going to come back in that 99 season. I know Michael said that those guys would have signed one-year deals. They probably would have. But that doesn't, to me, make me feel that team could have continued winning championships. And I think at the end of it, that truly was the end of it. Especially with the way you saw them struggling to put away teams like the Jazz, who would not make the playoffs in today's NBA. I'm the one that's going to say it out loud. I know you got your thoughts. Feel, feel free to spill them at me, man. Feel free. It's good. Well, first of all, you said Carl Malone and then we're 
weren't uh, were past their prime for '97. Now you do realize he played for another seven, eight years. Absolutely, but he was no longer the best player of his no, best version of himself. He was still. A, Carl, this, I defend Carmelo Malone, Malone, Malone more than Stockton. I, I defend Carmelo Malone more than other people do. He's my twelfth greatest player of all time in my tw- top twenty list. Carmelo is an insanely great basketball player, and he had a long career, and he was successful into his sixteenth, seventeenth season. Even with the Lakers, he was averaging over twenty points a game. But you saw the differences. Carl Malone was thir- almost 35 years old in that series. Stockton was already 35, and something called Jeff Hornacek was already 34 years old himself. Who was He was never a great player. Let's just call it what it was. I think what we do a lot of times is we, we use our nostalgia, and we say, these guys were so great because I remember it as a younger cat. That's not always the facts of it, though. You had Adam Keefe start four games in that 98 series. Adam Keefe, who averaged two points per game. You had Greg Ostertag start two. Greg Ostertag wouldn't start in a single team in today's NBA. And yet he was a starter on a team in the finals. That's a problem I have with the competition MJ faced. He was seven foot, so he he, he would start. Now, whether or not he would would play 40 minutes is another matter. Uh, To your earlier point, the reason why the Jazz in in those two series averaged under 100 points and 100 points you forget the Bulls were top three defensive teams, so they could score and they could hold teams under uh, under their average. So, you know, while you're, while you're saying that the Jazz or, or the level coverage, you got to remember that Chicago Bulls team was one of the best <clears throat> defensive teams. Yeah, the, the Bulls game. were averaging 89 points a game. Yeah. It wasn't the Jazz. I'm talking about the no, Bulls, and they won the series. No, 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 no. but, you, but right. you, said, you said that the Jazz were scoring uh, 89 or whatever points. Yeah, it was because of the Bulls' defense. The Bulls' defense kept them from 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 going uh, whatever they are. Which I know they were averaging over 100 points a game. It was the Bulls' defense. So uh, you know, so while you're saying that level of competition, you got to be talking, hey man. You got to put some respect though. Carl Malone is number two all time in scoring. I mean, now LeBron will pass him up uh, over time. And again, you got to remember LeBron has the has the advantage of he never played he never played in college. So he's got two three years four years more longer uh, on his body, uh, NBA mileage than, than the other players do. And so he'll he'll went out via longevity because, you know, he's able to play longer uh, uh, NBA minutes. But, you know, but going back to, you know, look, the, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm just at, I won't, how old are you? I'm 32 years old. Okay, so I'm, 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 I, got, I got tears over you. So when that's when, 95, 96, 90, 95 to 98, I was 20 years old. So you would have been 10. Mm-hmm. So, again, so when I when I first watched basketball, I was watching Michael Jordan. I was six, seven years old. So, have a different perspective from the time when I first saw him in six. When I was six, seven years old, when he came in in '84, versus when I became 14 when I was watching him uh, starting high school, and then so on and so on. So. I'm giving you the bit, and I say that to say I'm giving you the bit of a job because you're 10 years old watching the second three piece, so you probably didn't really know much about the first three piece, just because of you know. Sure, but I was 32 when I watched this series, so that's the film didn't change, did it? Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. Like it no, is no, the, no, the no, results no, don't no, change. No, no, no. Results don't change, but <laughs> but you also have to be in the moment, living in the moment, watching, and, and you got to remember. And, and again, I said, and I'm not you know I'm not being divisive. No, I'm sure, mobile, sure. What I'm saying is that is that. Watching it at that time, live living in the moment, mm-hmm. you have a different mentality. You, 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 your mind frame and your thought process is differently from what you're able to comprehend now. Watching LeBron James in, in his in his prime and what he's doing now. So, 
that's why I say this. So why we're going to go in different directions as it relates to the players on who we think are the GOATs. Again, when we're talking about those teams at that time, you got to remember the storyline stuff built in. When you talk about the Bulls uh, being or the Supersonics being at a disadvantage, well, Chicago Bulls, are, I mean, they're not being compared to the Sonics because they had the second-best record. I think they won like 64 games. The Bulls are being compared to the 69-win uh, the, the, the uh, Lakers team that won those games in the championship. So they're being compared to other teams dynasty-wise across the sports spectrum. Sonics is just, you know, I mean, everybody knew what the end result was going to be. I mean, that's because at the end of the day, you had that type of talent on that team and you had that type of player, Michael Jordan. It was just a matter of how many games is it going to take. It was not, I, I don't I don't think anyone ever, I think maybe outside of the first NBA series, uh, the first finals when they played Lakers, that anybody ever picked a, uh, picked uh, someone to sweep the or beat the Bulls in the uh, NBA finals that they did. Yeah, they were never the underdog. So, I mean, but that goes to the greatness of that team and the players yeah, versus, yeah, no versus, doubt. versus the other. That, so. And that's why I, I want to clarify that part because the Bulls deserve every bit of respect that they that they deserve. They they won six championships. They deserve, just like Bill Russell, even though I'll, I'll say that his championships are extremely overrated because the league only had eight, nine, ten teams mm-hmm. in, at a time. That is extremely overrated, but you still got to give Bill Russell the respect of being a champion. Same with Michael Jordan's. Oh, took it away. No, that's what I'm saying. That, no, I'm, 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 defending, I'm defending the yeah. stance I have. Is all I'm trying to do is contextualize said championships because no one single, no, no championship has ever been created equally. Different ones are earned a lot more, and some are a lot easier. Is my point. And so when you look at the competition differences, and again, we can break this down. I have all the numbers. I can back my stance with this. That not one single time did Michael Jordan not only never go into a series with the better without the better coach and better roster around him, but they never had teams they were facing that could spread the floor and shoot the way any team LeBron has faced in his finals career. And that's where we're going to get into that because the Jazz were, were decent at their time. But if you look at the Western Conference, I, I mean, look at the Jazz in particular, the team that represented in 97 and 98. You can't show me a single guy on that team that can shoot from 25 feet out. Not a single guy. Carl Malone was one of the greatest scorers ever. He shot within 10 feet of the goal his entire career. I was probably their best pure shooter. And he averaged 10 points a game right. in his career, is my point. They did not have high prolific scores outside of Carl Malone. So that defense the Bulls had, although it was incredible, I'm not taking that away. Yeah. They did not have they were not challenged the way defenses like today are because of the fact that you have to guard the entire court in today's NBA. You did not have to do that back then. You did not have to guard 25 feet out the way they have to in today's NBA. Therefore, de- plus the fact is you actually can play zone defense in today's NBA a lot more prevalent than they did back then. It was a lot of man defense as well. So there's a lot of give and take that you well, have to take so away from that time. Saying, right? You know what you're saying? It's called evolution. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 how the game is played now? Improvement. It's not, it's not. Well, you call it improvement. I mean, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but I mean, obviously, skill sets have games, improved. No the doubt. The games that was played in the eighties, you only had five teams that was making it to the NBA Finals. So, what's it say about the other teams uh, in, in the league at that time? And you got to also remember, it's top you talk, heavy. I, I know you talked about. Uh, you mentioned something earlier in the first part of the show about uh, uh, talent and stuff like that. You got to remember the league 
was watered down. I think mm-hmm. the second go round after Jordan, what the first after '93 when he when he returned because of expansion. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he had like Grizzlies four, from nineteen eighty from nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety five. There were six six expansion teams added to the league. That was coincidentally the yeah. same around the same time that MJ the, won four of his yeah, titles. They were pulling people off the streets to come play in the NBA. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. like literally were. Yeah, they 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 called me, but I said. <laughs> <laughs> I got to finish high school first. <laughs> yeah, the most. Uh, but that being the case, you know, I, I mean, again, I, yeah, look, I, I know we're, we're going to be stuck in our stances, but there's, but there's, again, being 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 there at the time, watching it again from from my vantage point, you see the storyline. I mean, we talk we talk about players who MJ kept from getting a title. When he when he played during you know a full eighty two season when he first won his championship, Clyde Drexler got his championship after Michael had retired. You know, and Akeem, you know, they got so whoever was on the Rockets team got a ring during that time. But it but it wasn't until you know until ninety nine that other people were able to, you know, to figure out a way. Okay, well Jordan is not playing anymore. Now this is our chance. You don't have that. You don't have that with LeBron. I mean, you can beat LeBron. Hey, you you can beat LeBron and then and then get signed by 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 Clutch Sports the following week after you know after the NBA Finals and, and so uh, again I mean this is I mean it's, it's all relative I guess you can say but you know but going going back to that I just don't see I mean I, I really don't see anything wrong that that was uh, you know I mean if you can hold hold against the Bulls I mean you can only and look and, and I don't hold this against LeBron because you can only play. Who, who's who's on the other team? You know who who wins because LeBron can't control whatever matchup. I think in two thousand eight or two thousand eleven, I think when they when they lost to the Mavericks, they were supposed to be playing. I believe the Lakers at that time. You know, I think the Lakers were. Lakers got swept. Yeah, they got so. I mean. Yeah, it, and, and that's it, actually, it I actually agree with you on that, and that's why, and, and I know I'm kind of jumping ahead here because I really want to, I really want to break all this stuff down with you, is. That's exactly right. When you talk about you can't stop who you face, there's a benefit though for some, and there's a there is a uh, a punishment of sorts for others because of the fact, like you said, you can't choose that. Whereas Michael Jordan got to face teams every single time, all six times in the finals, he had the advantage in the upper hand from a roster standpoint. But that's not his fault. Exactly. So my point with that is, if that's the case, then you have to take away this finals record comparison. Because LeBron has faced better competition in the finals than Michael did. Yeah, that's where the context comes with in. With fewer supporting casts around him. He did not have Scotty for all six times or all nine times he's been in the finals. He took a LeBron. He went to he went to the finals at twenty two years old with a roster you can't name me five guys on the roster. And if you did, I'd have to give you another twenty dollar bill. <laughs> that's my point is that you you're right you can't choose that that's the point i try to make when people try to say well michael went six for six and lebron's sitting at three and six that's a terrible argument from its origin because no championship is created equally just like no matchup is created equally if we played an even playing field where michael could go and face yeah, the you, six but opponents but you, but you, that but you remember is lebron's choice was to move around Michael stated it. Okay, so that, and to that point, let me bounce that one off. 
Seven years LeBron stayed in Cleveland, did not ask for a trade, did nothing like that. They got him zero All-Stars. First of all, what choice did he have? That's not Michael's fault, man. Okay, but to the other side of the argument, Michael didn't Michael didn't have to leave because in his fourth season, they went and got him Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, he Phil Jackson. They were drafted. Hold on, hold on. Exactly. Phil Jackson was already on the team. That is exactly, that is exactly my point. Why would Michael leave when that is already there for him? It's the same with Kobe Bryant. Even though he asked for a trade in 07, Kobe Bryant inherited the Lakers with Shaquille O'Neal. Okay, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. I, I got to say, because you go. First of all, Michael's not going to demand a trade because that's not how it worked back then. I mean, they, you, right? you players just don't go, oh, I'm unhappy. I'm going to go get a trade. You played you play your contract out. I mean, that's. And that's just like LeBron did, yeah. LeBron finished yeah, his seven year contract. Yeah. yeah, okay. And then he bounced because he. After felt seven years. Huh? After seven years, LeBron gave the Cavs organization seven whole years and they didn't bring. No they didn't give him a single All Star. So how was that on him? When we talk about when he went around, that's he had oh, no choice. Well. What choice did he let me, have? Let me, let me first ask this because I because I can't remember. But when he when he when he first came into the league, how long was his, how long was his rookie contract? Uh, four, four years, four the fifth years. year option. He got that extension, so he had a three year extention with the five year fifth year option picked okay, up. And he so, took it. He could have left then if uh, he wanted the, to. Yeah. Okay, so so we can't do yeah we can't do a double edged sword I'm, on no, this no, one. No, I'm just saying first four, four, first four years of fifth year, they didn't get him help. Mm. Yeah, he had opportunity to leave then. Mm-hmm. But he stayed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's, let's 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 make sure that we put that in there and yeah. say that they because if, if he knew the first five years they didn't get him help, why you stay two more years or why you sign for two more years? And so after those two after those two years, maybe he woke up again. You know the kind of situation from Jordan and and the you know the the different scenarios, different situations. But again, Phil Jackson was brought in. I think uh, Phil Jackson was brought in. I think. Uh, I think might have been Michael's third year as an assistant coach to yeah, Doug Collins, yeah. And, and so after two years, you know, whenever, whenever yeah. they find, uh, yeah, he moved up. So I mean, but Michael had nothing to do. Well, I mean, so when you're saying that they, you know, that he got help, no, they just drafted. They just Jerry Krause, to his credit, Michael Jordan got lucky. Yeah, he got lucky. It, it wasn't he, luck that absolutely I mean, was I mean, luck. I mean, that's what you have a scout department for. I mean, but, right? But otherwise, I can say but, same thing about just like the Warriors got lucky. You would say that MJ MJ inherited things that were out of his control, just like LeBron inherited things that were also out of his control. The difference is that MJ inherited better pieces. Mm. How is that even debatable? Well, I'm, well, I, well, again, you have. I mean, you have somebody that trusted Drake. Well, again, that. Again, that's got nothing to do with Michael. That's got nothing to do with Brown. That's got everything. To do but it with did change their legacies. That's my point. Is that in everything I'm saying, this all comes back to one fact. This is a team sport. So when we talk about success, it is very circumstantial. Look at even Tom Brady. Tom Brady's considered the goat because of why he has six championships. Does he have six championships in Cincinnati? No. Does he have six championships in Detroit? No. Is he still a good football player? Yes. The only difference is he happened to be lucky enough to play with Bill Belichick all these years. Same with Michael Jordan. There's no coincidence. Michael Jordan was the best player in the NBA by 1987. Absolutely. That's my point. That's my point is he had a coach that could build greatness around him. My point in this, Michael Jordan, by 1987, by 1987, Michael Jordan was the best player in the NBA. In my opinion. Okay. He still didn't win nothing for another four years. Why is that? Because he didn't have the supporting cast around him, and there were dynasties still in the midst of winning. Well, there is a difference. Again, again, like you said, Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen got there in, in 87. 87. 
And so he he has four kids. They just didn't have they, they didn't have that mentality until right. after after the nineteen ninety season. So my point in that is is that Michael didn't all of a sudden just get better at basketball when they started winning titles. He was already the best player in the world. People Bobby Knight in this series said after, outside of college, MJ's the best basketball player I've ever seen. Yeah, that was during the Olympics. Right. So my point in that saying and saying all that is this. Why is it that we use success in determining an individual player when success is not created equally? Guys don't get the same equal opportunity of success across the board. It doesn't happen. Look at Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, Allen Iverson, you name it, Stockton, all these guys. Played Hall of Fame careers, but they aren't John Sally. Who gets to be on a great roster and win multiple championships? It's circumstances. Well, so when we, not, well, hold on, man. He's a role player versus 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 the face of the franchise. right. Yet he has more rings than all those guys combined. He's the, a role player. I mean, you got to have a bitch, dude. I mean, what I, do you expect? I, I, get, I get what my point in that is saying is that we cannot base superstardom and and greatness off of what a team does because not all teams get the same. Yeah. Yes, when it comes to individuality. That's why I say the six so, for six as opposed to three of six or three three and six is such a moot point because it is not contextual. You cannot contextualize that equally because they didn't face the same competition and they didn't have the same supporting cast. Well, I want to say, too, when MJ came into the league, it was a by far hands down a big man's league. Even when MJ first came into the league and broke onto the scene, everyone was scoffing at him. It's like, who's this skinny little two guard? We all, everyone knows this is a big man's league. If you're not a big man, how are you going to be a superstar in this league? You know, if you're not six eight and above, like Bird, you know, or or Magic, those guys were already those were bigger guys. Uh, but I mean, the likes of Kareem and, and and all those other guys, it was a big man's league. Uh, so even even enduring, but MJ came in and changed the game and caught the league off guard by being that first two guard to really take over a team and be the head of a team. No one was really ready for not. This is not a really a knock on MJ, but no one was really ready for that. But I mean, if you look at the competition at the just the two guard during his whole duration, his whole career, the two guard competition that he went against. I mean, who was the best two guard he faced at getting you know, as far as his his direct? Well, I was just saying his direct two guard shooting guard position. Who was the best he went against? So yeah, Reggie Miller, Clyde Drexler, who was old by the time he really faced off in an important series. Mitch Richmond, who he claims was the hardest guy he ever faced. Um, Joe Dumars, Jeff Hornacek, Latrell Sprewell later in the later years, Alan Houston later years, Steve Smith maybe, John Starks. And then, I mean, if you want to go to the the era LeBron James played in, which is the small forward era. The greatest small forwards ever have been in the, since the, the mid-2000s to this era that we're in now. Because most teams now are built around the small forward because of LeBron James. He changed the game similar to, similar to the way that MJ did with the shooting guard. But let's look at the small forwards LeBron James is facing. The greatest small forward era, hands, it's not even close. Kevin Durant, Paul Pierce, Kawhi Leonard, Carmelo Anthony, Andre Iguodala, Paul George, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, you want to compare those guys to the guys that the that direct competition that MJ was facing? It's not even close to as far as the actual prowess of so these. You're comparing small forwards against shooting. Guys. I'm saying no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not comparing those two positions. I'm comparing the the, the direct competition that the two face at their positions. You see what I'm saying? So, so MJ, MJ. Also, so we just gonna forget Sidney Mycroft. No. Oh, you're gonna compare that to KD or Paul Pierce? You're gonna compare that to KD and Paul Pierce. Joe Dumars was probably the best defensive. Him and Mitch Mitch Richmond were probably the two best 
defensive players he faced at that position. Now, Joe Dumars yeah. was, Joe Dumars gonna, was more of a small forward. I'm going to need you to check out YouTube, man. I'm, I mean, because you got to put some respect. Look, man, Jordan, he, look, you, you, you're, you're talking about. Who was, who was guarding Jordan. MJ directly? That's my, you're, that's you're, my point. Again, you, you're, talking, you're talking the people that you're naming, they, they, they came into the league pretty much around the same time. You, now, you're, you're talking about Dumars and them when, when the Pistons were mm-hmm. winning their stuff and, and, and at the tail end when Jordan was ascending and then you're going, to, you know, when players... Well, John starts, yeah. But, but again, you know, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan played in the league by four or five years, six years before Joe Dumars was, was, was guarding him again. You had Dennis Johnson, who was a Hall of Fame player, mm. Hall of Fame defensive stopper. Now, Jordan led him up for 49 to 63. Sure. But, again, that's showing the greatness of Jordan versus that. Again, you, you see... See the problem with your argument is that, is, that, is that no matter who you who you try to say Jordan went up against, Jordan was always the better player of them. You can I mean right now it's, you can argue you can argue Kevin Durant is better than LeBron. There was never a question if there if, if there was a a two guard better market. There was never that question when 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 his name was announced at the NBA draft. You've had questions about. Well, hell, is Kevin Durant the best player on the floor with LeBron? That question was never that that, that was never an option with mm. Jordan. That's the difference. Between I don't think. I, I think. Well, I think. There. I think to that point, though, I think you would agree because obviously you're in sports media. Mm-hmm. You know the significant difference between now and 25, 30 years ago when it comes to media and social media and the way that we consume sports. Back then, Michael Jordan, the reason why, and he will forever be the goat in this regard: nostalgia and marketing. Michael Jordan will never be topped in those regards. Why? Because back then we didn't have access to these guys at a personal level. So therefore they were godlike creatures on that court. So we we can't ever compare the two when it comes to how we view these people because LeBron James is like an open book to us in social media. So he's more relatable and that's why a lot of people either like him so much or don't like him because of the fact he gives us so much of himself. Which is funny because a lot of fans say they want that from from an athlete. But the point remains is that until they do something they disagree with. Fair enough. That's that's good. But get, get political or religious, whatever the case is. The point is this: is that's the difference. That's why we have those conversations on first take and 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 FS1 because of the fact that we have those shows nowadays. They didn't have that back then. You had some highlight reels and then you went to sleep. That's yeah, the difference. It, if you had if you had Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, Chris Broussard, and these dudes back then talking the way they do now, you better believe those conversations are happening because even Michael said that people well, guy, were I, people I, were snarking about Clyde. Drexler being better than him. Yeah. Dan Marley in the '93 series, things like I that. I agree with you. I would agree with you. Yeah, those conversations would be had, but the but the only difference is it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have changed the motivation and the drive and the competitors of Michael Jordan because you got I mean as Trevor as you as you, as you said yourself, he created stuff. I mean you know we we we, we you know sure we yeah. the, we he shocked the league the, uh, yeah uh, uh, deal like that that you know I mean. Uh, I mean, when you know, when I look at it like that, I mean, hell, he, you know, when he had to manufacture stuff just to get himself. So if it's if you have like a first take or whatever, people are gonna doubt him. He's gonna go out and drop 40, 50. I mean, it's again, he, again, like when when he interviewed with the thing when it was Connie Chung, she asked about his gambling issue. He said, "I don't have a gambling problem. He has a competitive problem." Hmm. I mean, look, man, when. When he when he's when he's on the team playing and he tells uh, John Paxson he wants to just say I, you know they're playing for dollars he just wants to have your money in his pocket to say he beat you that yeah. that I mean you, 
when I see people come from different clubs, the dude has a different mind frame, man, a, a mindset that 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 he's a psycho, was, man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and so yeah, you know, you put Jordan in this era, or you put social media back then. Cameras everywhere, dude. phones I mean, everywhere. You know, I mean, look, I mean, if he goes gambling. He's just going to be in a private place where cameras can't be there. I mean, yeah. so you see him come in, come out, so what? I want to get your thoughts on something else. When it comes to the narrative has always been because, you know, Michael or LeBron went through eight straight finals. So the narrative automatically, of course, became, well, the East is weak. And it isn't like it was back when Michael was dominating the East. I want to run this by you real quick. From 91, from 1991 to 2003, only the Bulls won an NBA championship from the East. That's a 14-year span. He was gone for a year and a half, and in between spans, he also retired for five years during that time. Not one team in the East could win a title in that time frame. Yet we're supposed to believe that that era of the Eastern Conference was tougher than LeBron's. But I mean, from 1990 to 1999, the Bulls were the only Eastern Conference team in the top seven in win percentage league-wide. So I'm trying to figure out, like, how do we sit here and so easily say that Michael's era was better in the 90s as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned, yet it shows me that fewer champions were coming out of the East than they were nowadays. It shows the greatest in Jordan. But I mean, you, he retired I mean, for five years in that span, though, uh, and no other team won in those five years from the East. Well, I mean, you, you, you're, going into, you're going into after 90. I guess you're going back to when he came back in 2003. From 91 to 2003, yeah. He yeah. played 12 of those I mean, years. He already admitted that the, that the league was watered down. Yeah, well, six, least, teams, half yeah. Of, half of the nineties. Yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still watered down. About no, no, like it's that. It's the Raptors had walk-ons. The league's like, never been more deeper than it is right now. Yeah, I mean, you're talking league-wide. You had guys. Yeah, we have seven foot tall. The majority of teams now point. have two to three stars on almost every single and, team now. And, and well, you got pretty much two stars. I mean, yeah. minus 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 the minus the Warriors, I'd say. But um, no, but I mean, going back to your point again, man, when you're when you when you look at that, the fact that I, I think I think New York they lost it in the game seven against against the Rockets, uh, I think the first or second year that, that Jordan was out um, uh, retired. Yeah, that was I the mean, then, then Hakeem team. I mean, yep. you no know, Spurs won, but that was a strike shortened season. Fifty so game was, season. Yeah, yeah. So that was. I mean, that's. Yeah. But that was the breakout Duncan year yeah, too. That was a good team. Yeah, but again, I mean, that's a strike season. So mm-hmm. right, you know, you just take that for what it's worth. And I mean, and then I mean, the the Lakers were ascending when they when they had the three peat. I mean, I, I I mean, you just yeah yeah better yeah better teams in the West at that time. It's, no. I mean, it's just what it is. I mean, there, I mean, there was again there, there was a pattern where East couldn't couldn't lose because you had the Jordan and the Bulls, and then the West came alive with with the Spurs and the Lakers. I mean, it happens. I mean, well, you, you I mean, how much would you say competition matters when it comes to this particular argument? When it comes to LeBron and MJ, how much would you say competition matters? Competition always matters. Okay. Well, you are. I'm, I'm assuming you are familiar with what a net efficiency is when it comes to the NBA. For the, for the listeners that don't know what that is, in a nutshell, uh, net efficiency is the differential between how many points a team scores and how many points they allow per 100 possessions. Obviously, if you have a plus, that means that you're obviously dominating your opponent as opposed to a minus. According to net efficiency, all nine of LeBron's opponents have a higher net efficiency than any of MJ's six. What that means is... The lowest ranked finals opponent LeBron has faced was the 2012 Thunder at plus 4.6. That's 1.5 points higher than MJ's highest opponent, which was the 92 Trailblazers. 
So we can already see that the, 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 the LeBron has clearly faced tougher competition in the finals than MJ. But see, that's not it. We can look at all NBA players that, the, that the, both of these guys have faced in the finals. In just the four finals appearances against the Warriors, LeBron faced more all NBA players than MJ faced in his six. It was 10 to 9. That's not it. So you're, so you're counting the Warriors multiple times. Kind of well, absolutely. It's a it's new team every single time because that also is going to include MJ's uh, argument when it comes to Hall of Fame yeah, you're players, too. to be an all-star every year. Right, and when it comes to Hall of Fame players, too, and, my, and LeBron's nine finals trips, he's faced 29 Hall of Famers. And MJ's six, he faced only nine Hall of Famers. So there is a significant difference in competition. Because the teams he was facing where there was like one star and there was a bunch of role players, he didn't face n- numerous stars on one team. Outside of the, maybe the Stockton Malone was probably the, the most star-studded team he faced in the playoffs Average, ever. Yeah, Dirk Nowitzki, yeah, Jason Kidd, Hall of Famer. Jason Terry. Jason Terry. I, Peja Stiakovic. Sean Marion. But let's see. Some good players. Tyson there. Chandler, Defensive Player of the Year. But Sean Marion, don't sleep on Sean Marion either. He was balling that year. But the Heat had LeBron and Chris. Outside of the big three, that was a that was not a very good roster. Hey man, look. Joel Anthony, yeah. Hey Joe, hey, hey, (laughs) Pat Riley was GM of me. He surrounded with talent that he didn't get, that he didn't have in the brand new. And and I'm glad glad we brought up the Maverick series because that's actually there is no defending what LeBron did in that series. He absolutely melted down, and that is the greatest meltdown a great player's ever had in NBA history. Absolutely. Here's the. So that makes him the greatest over Jordan, who never had a medal. Absolutely, because here's the thing. The next six years, look, no one's ever had a greater stretch of basketball than LeBron James had. And I can back that up with facts oh, if we man, like it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Let me give man, some context. No, all right, go ahead, go ahead. You can't have a meltdown and, and the greatest meltdown of all time. But, and I think he's going to be the greatest over somebody who's never had a meltdown. Where did his meltdown right? happen? Where did his meltdown happen, though? In the finals, right? So is it better to melt down the first round, the second round? I'm because sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm MJ got swept in the first round three straight times. Is it better to get swept in the first round of playoffs or the finals? Good. Getting swept in the finals. Getting swept is not the same as having a meltdown. Let's no 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 no. Getting swept is not because last time I checked, LeBron got swept in the finals okay. too. Right. So 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 yeah. so, so, so and he got swept in the finals. So I'm in 2007, sorry. as a 22 year old with no one else around him. Yeah. Are we really gonna hold that? Are we really gonna hold that against him against that Spurs team? Where I come from, against that dynasty, we don't we don't do excuses around. Okay, so you're you're gonna hold that against LeBron, MJ. Okay, but when MJ came in the league, he was already an experienced player. Did two and a half years, two years of college, right? Three years of college. So we're gonna we're gonna knock LeBron for getting swept against a prime Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, Bruce Bowen. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So. Hold on, so so now, hold on, so now we hold it against Jordan because he wouldn't got education. Hold on, and, no, no, no. And, hold on, and learn and learn how to win under uh uh. Under who, 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 I'm, not on, I'm not holding that no, against him. No, 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 that's a that's a pro for MJ. That's a pro for MJ. He has way more experience. MJ than wasn't good enough to come out of high school. That's the point. Is he had to go to college? MJ wasn't Ron the didn't. guy. MJ wasn't the guy until his junior year. I, I mean, I don't even North know that's, that part's not even debatable. MJ was not the guy in North Carolina until his I junior have to year. Jump in here Do it because it seems like it's been uh, one versus two here. Oh, he I, makes an incredible point, though. Like you talk about grown man fits. Hmm. MJ throw none visible. They might have been behind the scenes. They might have fits on the court. The meltdown. Oh, go watch. Go watch games. Come on. Like, LeBron James versus MJ, Hmm. it's completely asinine to say that LeBron James, like, 
getting swept is not the same thing as having a meltdown. I'm talking about that as far as this is right. Numbers. Getting swept. The point I was trying to bring up with the Maverick series is this. You cannot defend what happened in that series when it comes to LeBron James. No, I'm not trying to. I picked him to win. And I, did too. I did too. But so I did too. But we lost money. Let's also let's also contextualize <laughs> and like let's give Matt the Mavericks some praise here because that team right. swept the two-time defending Lakers champions, right? The Kobe Bryant, Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom team, Powell Saul as well. Swept them. Swept them. Then goes on and beats the Thunder, who had three Hall of Famers. And KD, Russ, and Harden in five games. Yeah, it's not like that matters. Teams is yeah, I'm not, again. We're not going to sit here and, and make excuses for Le- LeBron had a meltdown. The, the Heat should have won that the series. The point in this is his low point of his career is in the finals. Yes. Michael's low point is what you can make a pick. You can make a a, a, cho- a choice between Michael's low point in the playoffs was the turnover with Nick Anderson in '94. That's, That's another one. Low point or or, or or going one and nine in the playoffs until he had another superstar player around him. So, it, so with that logic, with that logic, it was better. Or for retiring three no, times no, no, in his career. With that logic, it was better for the Heat to lose to the Hawks in this first series, or whoever they're facing this in, in the round one of the playoffs. Yeah, that would that would be better. Would be better? How is that better than to be in the finals? Well, if you're going to be in the finals and lose, then I'll, so you'd rather him lose good. in the first round than the finals. Yeah. How does that make? How does it make sense? him a better player? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> that makes you no, less no, of a no, winner. Yeah, go ahead. You're trying to ask me two different arguments that, uh, for the same question. You, you're asking me is it better, and you're asking me how to make him a better player. I didn't say that. I said I said it'd be better for him to lose in the first or second round what? versus losing in the final. In what way? I mean, in the in the same way, people still take uh, uh, what's his name, Joe Montana, over Tom Brady because he's undefeated. You yeah, look, that's silly logic. That makes no sense to me. It, it's not it's not silly logic because uh, look. LeBron is what he's three and he's three and six right now. Eight straight, yeah, eight straight finals. Okay, but his record's still three and six. I, I <laughs> is it his or the team? That's what I'm trying to get like the point in all of this because we just broke down the difference in competition <laughs> and the fact that Michael never had Michael never got to the finals not only without Scotty and and, and and Phil, but he never had the inferior team or coach. That doesn't matter. If you're the best player of all time, you always going to okay, have so, the, the greatest. So let me ask you a question. The best player of all time before he started winning championships, though, right? MJ was ever the best player in the league before he started winning championships. Yes. Okay, so why was he winning championships before all the, everything else, all the help came? He didn't. Have, he didn't have a better surrounding cast. Exactly. That's exactly our point. So, but, but hold on. You, look, you, you, uh, I don't. You're trying to make sure that you all understand what you're saying. <laughs> he 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 is always the best player on the court. No matter what, whether he had a better team is a different argument than being the best. But it's player a team on the sport. Court. Is it? That's how you you, win. you used finals record. Okay, you said Joe Montana, right? Let me contextualize that one. Yeah, Joe Montana won four and zero, right? Okay, yes. we're gonna put that, that on Joe Montana. Do you realize that in those four Super Bowls that? I mean, but we say the same thing. Okay, hold in on, those hold four on, Super Bowls, hold on, hold on, hold on, the 49ers on, only. Go ahead. Now, you do a podcast. I mean, you do a great podcast because I listen. I listen, but I got I got to sit straight on something, man. If you're going to do the sports industry stuff, man, you got to look. Quarterbacks get the credit. They get they get the blame. They get the credit for winning, and yeah, along with, obviously, the head coach or whatever. But no, nobody ever says that, you know, oh, oh uh, um, uh, uh, Damian Williams is 1-0 in the Super Bowl. It's a quarterback type stuff. When it comes to the NBA, and even Hawkins said, it's your star player. They're the ones that get the credit. and they're but the ones According that get the to who, though? 
Why is that a thing? See, that's that's the thing I've always just because that's the trend for ten years. We started the pod. We started spoken ten years ago, and that was one of the first things. The spoken, oh. no, the, start spoken 10 years ago. As you can see, I'm high as hell right now. No, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I started the spoken. One of the first things I started to challenge as a sports fan, just as a sports fan, not even somebody who was trying to get into the media world, was this idea, this false idea, this fallacious idea of championships define great players or players get credited for that because there's so many examples as to why that's wrong. Because you have guys like Trent Dilford and Brad Johnson who won titles, but Dan Marino didn't. So, so that's matters. unfair for us to put that on, give credit to where credit's not due. Dan Marino did everything in his power to win a Super Bowl. He just never had the team around him to win it. Or he faced he better competition. Up, he up Joe exactly. And when it comes to Joe Montana, what I was trying to say about that is that yes, Joe Montana was a damn good quarterback in big games. Not taking that away from him, but his defenses in those four Super Bowls allowed an average of 16 points per game. Alex Smith is winning Super Bowls with that defense. That's my point. Alex Smith ain't get to the Super Bowl with that defense. If a defense is only allowing 16 points per game in Super Bowls, how many quarterbacks aren't winning Super Bowls with that type of support? Alex, again, man. I'm making an example that, that average quarterbacks can win, like Brad Johnson, like Trent Dilfer, again, when they have transcendent defense. Again, we cannot use NFL. So, we can't, I don't like the NFL comparisons because you play one side of the field. The NBA, LeBron James averaged a triple-double in the 2015 okay, okay. finals, and they check lost. That, that. Was he not Did by you, far the best player in that, that series? What's that? When LeBron James averaged a triple-double in 2015 against the Warriors. And he had Iman Shumpert and Matthew Dellavedova and Tristan Thompson as his surrounding cast. Yeah, he, was the best he averaged a triple double in that series. But yeah, we knock him for losing in those in that series. How can you knock LeBron for losing? People that use series? that against him. He still lost. I mean, hell, he, he, he against. The, so Michael loses. You just said it, though. Okay, Michael was the best no, player on the court in those first man. rounds when he got when he lost to Sidney Moncrief with the Bucks, or he got swept by the Celtics. You saying he was the best player? Title on the line, man. So why? Okay, so so we're contextualizing only if it's in the finals. He averaged a triple double. Okay, so it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter if you get swept in the first round. I want to know what else LeBron James could have done in that series. Last I checked, the Bulls nor LeBron put up banners for losing in the first, second, or or even in the conference finals. That's not that. That's not again. Look, because if you want to go that route, hell, we can say Robert Ory. Robert Ory's won seven championships, but 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 Robert Ory is not is not the driving force behind the team winning or losing a, a, a world championship, dude. He's not. He's not being the one. He's not the one being paid the big bucks. Okay, uh, John Paxson, Scott Burrell, they're not the ones being paid thirty million dollars to lead to lead that franchise. Okay, when, team. when MJ came back after retirement and they lost to the Magic in round two, was he the driving force of the Bulls team? Was MJ the, after dropping fifty five on the Knicks the series in his prior, fifth game back? Was he the, was MJ the driving force? But when they lost that series against the Magic, why did they lose? Why did they lose? You it? said it was his low point against Nick no, Anderson. Well, that's point. I mean, he was well. well again, George, why didn't well, the, the series was on the line? Why didn't MJ step it up? He just dropped fifty five in the series prior. They lost. I mean, he was the driving force of that team. Everyone was excited. MJ's back. MJ's back. He was dropped back, double yeah, nickel. He was back. Why they lose? Plays. I mean, he didn't have basketball because he he came right. Because they actually faced a good big man against the Magic. I mean, they, you can talk about him being out of shape, but you, you can't use that well, excuse after you drop 55 year? points. What do they do the following But year? we're not talking about no, that no, next no, year, though. No, we're talking no, about no, that year. No, 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 because no, you want to contextualize again. No. He didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't, he wasn't in basketball. He, he wasn't in tip-top He dropped 55. Where he, had, where, he had, where he had 82 games or whatever to prepare. Now, in the offseason when he filmed it, when he filmed the stuff, they built a basketball set on the movie. He was smart enough. He was, again, 
he, he thought ahead of, of from everybody else. He he brought the top NBA players to the set, got in shape, worked out against them, figured mm-hmm. out their strength and weaknesses, and then when he went and played against them in the following season, he swept the match the same team that beat him that, that knocked him out the playoffs. Yeah, I mean he beat so so again. Yeah, that that's his low point. I mean the people have said. I mean again. I don't, you know. I mean, I mean LeBron lost right? to the Warriors, came back and beat him that next year. Yeah. In to, the finals, though. To, not add, the a side, to add a side note about yeah. the Magic Series, he well, did I'm, lose. I'm, well, okay, I'm sorry. If you move Orlando to the West and they beat him in the finals, it's the same. No, thing. no, no. I'm saying he, he lost in a bigger stage. He got to the bigger stage and lost. So that's what, I keep going back to that, that, that lopsided logic that makes no sense to me about, that it's better to lose earlier in the playoffs than in the finals. That, yeah, that you're making, whatever, you're, that's you're a losing mentality. Further, which means that you're playing better. That's a losing mentality. Yeah, that's team. further, but losing. Versus yeah. just losing before you but get the fact there. that you were you were you were one of the two best teams every single year. He's LeBron led one of the two best teams even when he was the underdog. Every single year for eight straight season, he was one of the two. He was leading one of the two best teams with with or without an inferior roster. And a side note about the Magic series when the Bulls did lose, Michael was averaging thirty one points a game in that series. So it wasn't like we we talk about not being in basketball shape. He was averaging thirty plus points in that series. But okay, but I want to go back. Exactly, to that's the point. That's that's the point well, I'm trying to make. Yeah. Is that we can't use the excuse that he wasn't Jordan a basketball player. He was still Michael Jordan. He was 40 years old. He scored. I mean, that's what he does. The Wizards were whack, man. He was, he was there. Man, he was there to buy the but team. He, he's, he's still Jordan. He, he was still leading the team in scoring. <laughs> because all, they constantly funneled the entire offense to him. They let him shoot 40 shots a game. He's Michael Jordan. What right, and he, that's why. Uh, this is why Jerry Stackhouse hated that Jordan was on the team because Jerry Stackhouse even Jerry claims. Jerry Stackhouse was always compared to Jordan, even, even when he went to North Carolina. Yeah, but they, he was they, never, never going to fill those shoes, man. Yeah. I'm going I'm to ask Darren a few questions in regards to the actual comparison because I don't feel like we've really gotten into it yet. I mean, we've been doing some back and forth here. But I want to ask just a few questions, and then we're going to get Darren out of here because I know this man, it's nice enough is that he was even took the time to be here with us tonight. We really do appreciate it because I know you're always on the run, man. It always it means a lot to us. Uh, let me just ask you a few questions in regards to their comparisons and the playoffs and that nature. Uh, name me a time in which LeBron led a team to a losing record but still made the playoffs. I'm going to help you. He never ha- It never happened. MJ did that twice. Name me a time in which MJ's Bulls swept a 60-win team. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Put that in context because uh, I think the first time you're talking about maybe 86 or whatever. No, well, 85. 85, 86 when he came off his broken foot. The team was bad mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, Jordan came back, I think, but he was only, I mean, sorry, the film, he only averaged seven minutes the last uh, when he came back from injury. So, I mean, so let's put that in. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Name me a time in which MJ's Bulls swept a 60 win team. Hey, shit. He had the best record in the the Eastern Conference, and not too many teams get 60 wins. You don't need to. LeBron and the Cavs in 2015, the first team to ever do it, they swept the, the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. How many times did MJ face a team in the finals with at least the Hawks team? Paul Millsap, Al Horford, Kyle Korver, uh, uh, Josh, Josh Smith. No, oh. they're 61 teams. I, Josh I didn't say that. No, I'm, asked you, I'm glad you asked the question. because It was a good team. I'm glad you asked the question because the, actual, the next question I have is how many times did MJ face a team in the finals with at least two Hall of Famers? I think, you, I think we can figure that answer out pretty quickly. It was just, the '97 and '98 Jazz. jazz yeah. They were the two. They were the two teams he ever faced. Yeah, that had two All Famers. James Worthy wasn't on the '91s team. He didn't play the whole series. I didn't really count that one in there. He played two games. Was, so most of the teams are led by one uh, Hall of Famer. Yeah, 
With uh, Drexler. But the leg, okay. But the Drexler, yeah. Barkley, yeah. Well, LeBron had faced at least two Hall of Famers. And unfortunately, all... Sean Kemp would have would have got it had he not became Sean Close. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was a poor man's Blake Griffin, but I might give you that because he had he was a dominant force he, when it came to highlights. He, yeah, so... He was I, kind of a one-trick pony, not, though. Yeah. Let's not stay... Again... Okay. He wasn't a Hall of Famer, though. That's the no, point. No, no, no. Understand. Because you all were young, but trust me. Well, oh, I, I love Sean Kemp. I love Sean Kemp. I'm just saying, but I, I, I watched him in yeah. real time. Yeah. The Fair dude, enough. the dude, the, the dude was the. I mean that. Look, that. And here's the thing. That SuperSonics team, they, they, lost in the first round against Matumbo and the and the Denver Nuggets or whatever team. Yeah, they yeah. Played. It was the Nuggets. Yeah. So, I mean, they had some squads that should have maybe won a world title before that team that uh, faced the. Um, the Bulls, because trust me, Hersey Hawkins. They were they 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 were some they were a squad like they would be the only team, even outside of the Lakers, that I would stay up late to watch on the, that was the Western Conference team because Gary Payton, Gary Payton to, to must watch TV, yeah, man. That yeah. was so. I, look, you know, I I know we're we're talking about five stuff like that, but again, that shows the type of competition that was in. And I'm watching this in real time as. <laughs> Late high school, early college student versus when you all were, you know, or uh, you know, were ten or so. So I'm saying that. So I, I, I again, putting it in context, putting it in perspective, the Sonics team throughout some of the years. You know, again, sometimes you just have better teams that just, or, or sometimes luck just seems to find a way because the Sonics. I think the year that they lost to the uh, to the Nuggets, at first, they were favored to win the title. Uh, and now I think this was the year that, that Jordan was out. They were favored to win a title that year that they got uh, that they got beat in the first round. I think they got beat in five games, but they got beat in the first round by uh, yeah. by the Nuggets. So I'm saying so the level of competition there. I mean, when when you talk about well, this team made it versus that that the Bulls faced. There was some there were some squads that should have won that was that were that were predicted or, or Vegas had winning that, that fell short. Yeah, fair, that's fair enough. And that's I appreciate you breaking all that down because that is something that is to be of note. You know, you have to you have to notify those things. Just in the Hall of Fame context though, two Hall of Famers or two times MJ did face two Hall of Famers in the finals. LeBron has faced at least two Hall of Famers in all nine finals. And then four players that we think are going to be well, yeah, Jason Kidd and Dirk Nowitzki obviously are going to make the Hall of Fame. Or I think Jason Kidd's already in the Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. Um, LeB- uh, when it comes to facing three Hall of Famers, MJ never faced three Hall of Famers in a final series. LeBron has done that in eight of his nine finals appearances. Faced at least three Hall of Famers in a single finals. You uh, realize teams were built differently, right? That, that, no, no, no. I'm, 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 no <laughs> if anything, that makes the facts. No, no, no. But again, we put things in the context. Because you have, I mean, you, there, it's funny, in Jordan's 97, 90, 96, 97, 98, there was no salary cap in the, in the NBA at that time. So there was, or, yeah, no, I'm sorry, there was a salary cap, but there wasn't a max contract. So that's how he got that balloon-type payment. But, again, his team was built either through draft and then, of course, Rodman coming over mm-hmm. as a free agent and some of the other players because even Tony Kukoc was drafted. It's a difference between how that was came about and then LeBron trying to, hey, I need you to come play with me so I can come with Well, MJ recruited Rodman, though, right? Nah, that was Jerry Krause. Mm. That was Jerry Krause. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. All right. Dude, I mean, I don't, I don't really know if it matters who recruited. Yeah, the fact I mean, is, he got them. And they were, and they, yeah. just like the, just like the Warriors went and got I mean, Kevin Durant. Yeah, and, you know, and the, really way, no the way different. the Bulls, the way the Bulls were able to acquire Scottie Pippen was that they were not, they were a losing franchise still, even with MJ there. That's how they were able to get Scottie Pippen. Well, they worked out a trade with the Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they still had a high draft pick still, but I mean, and they moved up obviously to get Scottie Pippen. But that's well, I mean, the Chiefs moved up too. So, I mean, so I mean, what do you say? Yeah. I mean, so I mean, they they I mean, what like they moved from number six? The Bulls were not what the Chiefs were in that, but not. Well, and then I have another. And I, I got to add to that as well because the three Hall of Famer they, finals. You remember they, they didn't make the playoffs. So. Yeah. So for I mean, so sure. so and so and got knocked out right away. Yeah, but but you talking about they 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 were like like they were high up in the mm. draft pick. They made the playoffs, so they were. I mean, they they weren't in the lottery, mm. so they traded up. I mean, they they knew they were going after Scottie Pippen. They for traded sure. up with them, so. Yeah, I just, I just I just think the way the teams are built now only works in the LeBron James's favor. Seeing that there are more stacked teams that he's had to face kind of only works in LeBron James's favor in this argument, in my mind. Didn't LeBron stack his teams too? That's not the point, though. I'm talking about the competition that he's faced. No, I'm saying, but no, you're talking about teams that are stacked works in his favor. I'm but saying with the amount of Hall of Famers, fact, but you're ignoring the fact that he stacked his team. No, as but well. you moved the goalposts when we talked about the amount of Hall of Famers that he's faced. Regardless of how you no, think they got there, nobody, they're there. No, no, hold on. Nobody no. down enough people to play. Okay. I'm, I, I want to ask a question about the stacking yeah, of the teams. When it comes to stacking of the teams, though, we you say we give we give LeBron an awful lot of credit for that. Let's say he did stack the teams, though. Okay. Is there a difference between LeBron having a stacked team by the way he did it, or Michael having a stacked team by Jerry Cross getting the team for him? What difference does that make? They the both roster, had stacked the teams. The did Michael Jordan not have a plethora of Hall of Fame players? And let, let's not even let's not even we, we ignore yeah, this part. Hold on, we, we we ignore this part of it also. Can you can you name me a coach that LeBron has had in his career that even comes close to Phil Jackson? That's Michael Jordan's fault. No, I'm saying in the comparison of the two, you bring up the stacked rosters. This is where the but even if in. LeBron stacked his rosters, he never had a coach that came close to Phil Jackson. Second of all, Michael had stacked rosters too. So it doesn't matter how it happened. They both had stacked rosters. Just like I've stated, that in all six finals appearances, Michael never had a... Compared to the rest of the league, his, the Bulls, those Bulls rosters were always the best roster in the entire league. Every time. Every with the best time. coach. There's every no comparison. Time. Michael, when he started winning titles, he had the best team and coach. Every it's not time. debatable. It's not debatable. Michael made Phil Jackson to be a great coach based on... That's not even close to true. Tex Winters is the one that gave the triangle offense that changed Michael Jordan and the and the team because he was a high-prolific well, scorer. For, well, I don't, don't forget Tex Michael Winters. played within a system. Tex Winters was there for two years along with Phil in the Doug Collins era. So it wasn't, so, so it wasn't like... Wasn't like that they didn't know what the what the triangle offense was because he tried to introduce it when when Doug Collins was there, but you know, but that uh, Doug Collins isn't Doug, the coach Doug, that Phil is though. Huh? Doug Collins isn't the coach. Not that Phil even is. close. That's why Phil's, Phil's Phil went and won another five championships after Michael was gone. Yeah. So it's not like we're going to sit here and pretend like Michael made yeah, Phil. Second Kobe, man. I'm now, with that. What great coach? What great coach? What great coach has never won was as won championships without great players? Pat Riley? Nope. Greg Popovich? Nope. There's always they always have good rosters. Doc Rivers won his one championship when he had the big three, and he's a great coach. Jerry Sloan never won a super cha- championship, and he had two Hall of Fame players. That's the point. That's what separates. I mean, the I better roster. They, they, the better team and the, the better, better coach. Roster. Yes. It wasn't all, right. all my... See, we talk about how <laughs> Michael Jordan kept guys from winning championships. That's not even true either. Because Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird won when Michael was in his prime. They're bullying Mike, too. Michael was in his prime in the 80s. 
He played seven years in the 80s before he won a title. Those guys all won championships. So when people say, well, he kept all the greats from winning, that's not even true. Those three guys are the best three players he ever faced, and they all won championships in his era. Well, hold on, hold on. Technically. And why'd they win? Because they had the better rosters at those times. Hold on, hold on. Technically, <laughs> Mike, didn't, Mike didn't keep Magic Johnson from winning. Because he couldn't even get there. He didn't get there in the 80s. Because it's, it's better to lose early in the playoffs than to just go lose in the He final. couldn't even get to Magic in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But, but, but again, but, but... So he didn't stop him. Well, I'm sorry. How many people did LeBron stop from winning? Or, or how That's not the won? argument. The argument has been... Argument. No one has ever said LeBron's kept anybody from winning titles. That's been no one has ever said that. Not no one has ever said LeBron has kept people from titles because that's not possible. Just like it's not possible that MJ kept anyone from winning titles. Was MJ the best player on those teams? Yes, but it took a team for him to start racking up. Just like we talked about, Michael was already the best player in the world in the '80s, but didn't win anything in the '80s because he didn't have the team or coach. Once he did, and once the other dynasty started to die. What do you know? He racks off six so championships. So, so what are we so okay, so so you're saying he didn't have a coach like a Phil Jackson. Not even close. But Spolster last was I, his but, best coach. But, but last I checked, Spolster led them to four. Are we really gonna games. compare Phil Jackson uh, well, to Spol- I, well, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Last I checked, Phil Jackson didn't coach him for Hold on. I, I just want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly, Darren. Are you are we trying to make a comparison between Eric Spolster and Phil Jackson? What I'm saying is <laughs> Please that, no, help I'm, me out here. What I'm saying, based off the of fact, Eric Spolster was the head coach, was he not? Was he not? Yes, he absolutely was. Did he coach them to four straight NBA finals? Yes, he absolutely did. Okay. Does he have eleven rings? Doesn't have eleven rings, but <laughs> did he? So what's the argument? So what, what? I don't even understand no, 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 what the I'm argument saying, is. I'm saying, I'm saying because 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 you're trying to say that that, that, that he didn't have a great coach. He didn't. He's never had a great coach he's in his entire time. He's coach. never had a great coach. What has Spolster done since LeBron left? And even if he had a great coach, again, the question remains, does that great and, coach and, compute and, to and, Phil and, Jackson? And to that point, what about Teron Luke? I mean, now, not, not, not be mindful now because he is, he is from the crib. Oh, I, I got mad love for Teron Luke. But, yeah, but, but to that point, look, hey, man, LeBron picks his coaches now outside of, outside of Spolster. Le- LeBron picks his coaches, man. I mean, you know. He- yeah, he can pick the coaches that are available because Greg Popovich and Doc Rivers aren't walking through that door. Well, it's not like after it's not like after MJ got a <laughs> after, after MJ checked, got a taste of Phil. On. Did he want? Did he do anything else without Phil? Uh, last I checked, LeBron James has been a free agent a few times. Nothing stopped him from from going to San Antonio. Oh yeah, you y'all would have loved that if he did that. Yeah, he, let's say he wins championships under Greg yeah, Popovich. Yeah, We're not using that under him. Valid chips that's, for sure. That's the, that's the point in all of this. Is if if Michael could have won <laughs> without Phil Jackson, go ahead, go ahead. Wait, wait a second. Do we not give credit to Kevin Durant for, for winning two two championships in uh, in Golden State because he was the best player on, on there and he won the MVP? I mean, do we not give him credit? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm saying, but he he wouldn't reach it. No, 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 but, but y'all, y'all don't, y'all, you, y'all, he went to the, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, I'm sitting there fighting your argument because you said it's, hold on, no, but that's not the same, that's not the same thing, because you're saying he didn't, look, man, because KD doesn't get criticized the way LeBron does, bro, you know that, you know that. You know that. LeBron James chose to go to Miami, LeBron James could have chose to go to San Antonio. Right, but he gets shit on for going to Miami. KD doesn't get shit on oh, because he doesn't oh, get scrutinized oh, the way LeBron does. You know that. He won two titles in Miami. Right. How can you shit on that? Because since the decision that's one of the biggest... Did you just say that he, he had to leave in order to win? That's he chose to leave. Right. The point is, is the narrative has been, well, he uh, he had to leave Cleveland to win. 
Name me the champions in oh, Cleveland Kevin before Durant. LeBron. Kevin, hold on, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant had to leave Oklahoma City to go to Golden State to win. Why? Why? Because LeBron kept him from the finals, right? Or kept him from when when uh, they faced him the when he was on the Oklahoma City the, Thunder. The point. Yeah, one time. He kept from, okay, okay, but he kept KD from winning a ring, right? KD didn't just go to another team. KD went to a team that's already been to the finals that, two straight that times. Might be them. Again, hold on. He it, lost it, to them it, and it, then it, joined it, them. That's that, a whole but, different but that's thing. Your, again, he went ring chasing just like LeBron tried to stack a team. Again, LeBron could have just gone to San Antonio, play for a Hall of Fame coach. Play with Tim Duncan and stuff and win championships. He decided not to do that. So that that Miami Heat team that he joined was not in the playoffs that year prior. They won the playoffs. They won, they won 41 games the year before. He, he oh. was the reason they made it back to getting on track to being a championship team. It wasn't like they were a really I get good what team. you're saying. I get what you're saying about the coaching he situation. Brought, he brought in sure. Okay. Chris Bosch. Yeah, you got to have a team. So, so, yeah. so, he, so he stacked that team. Now. You had a surrounding place because you had three players because on the already a, But there was already a stacked team that had to go against in the East, right? Against the Celtics. There was already a stacked team that they had to beat. Again, he could have gone to the Western Conference. He could have gone to San Antonio. She sure. was a free agent. When you're a free agent, you're free to go wherever you yeah, sure. want. He, he can't just. So, yeah. so, 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 so what I'm saying is you all are saying that Cleveland did not give him any help the seven years he was there. That's, that's factual. And, and, he, and, 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 he, and he had to go. Look, I don't disagree. He, he probably had to leave to go somewhere else to win. Mm. But what I'm saying is, is that is that for you know to be complaining about about not playing for all the same coach, you had an opportunity to go to San Antonio if you so chose to. We don't know if San Antonio wanted him. Right. We don't know no, that. No, no, we well, don't know that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing Just about that. I, that. I agree with you on that. Well, he I do could, too. He could, he could have chose. He could have chose to go to San Antonio, but in the current structure of the Spurs at the time. They were not a team that was going to win long term. Mm. That's the thing he was looking at because he thought in Miami that D Wade's health was going to hold up. They, and furthermore, they faced the pace. I mean, twice they faced, they faced him twice. So yeah, absolutely. Split, so. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying he couldn't have gone to San Antonio. Well, that's not the out, argument. Yeah. Yeah. The original conversation I'm trying to make is is that LeBron won titles and had gone to several finals without a great coach. Whereas Michael didn't even get to the finals until Phil took over. That is the glaring difference. We can sit here and say LeBron could have done this. LeBron could have done that. The fact is he would, did this. Would have thought Phil Jackson was a great coach if they, if if Michael lost those finals. I have no idea because Phil Jackson was already winning championships in, in smaller leagues. He could have went somewhere else and started winning. He did go somewhere else and start winning in L.A. It's not like Phil Jackson only had a great career in Chicago with MJ. He had so another great say, career in L.A. So do we say Pat Riley had an incomplete because of his stint in uh – in New York or whatever, when when he could an, incom- an incomplete no. I'm saying, I mean, it's I a black eye on his career. I think he won four titles in L.A. and mm-hmm. I think one in one in Miami. Yeah. So, I think we all know the Knicks are a horribly run organization. That's only been more tested through time. So I don't think that's on Pat Riley. I think it's the organization he was coaching for. How many great coaches have been in New York? How many great players have been in New York? And they don't win. It's because it's a whole it's a horribly ran organization. We all know that. That wasn't on Pat Riley. Pat Riley was a great one of the, the five greatest now. head coaches in NBA history. They had no they had zero stars. Yeah, Patrick. Disrespect. I'm just saying zero stars to, to play to play MJ straight up. Patrick, yeah, they had a, a big man. But outside of that, who did they have? To John Starks was the the one on one defender for MJ in ISO situations. That's a lose lose every single time. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts on this, Darren. Real quick, um, when LeBron came back, when the when the Cavs were down three to one against the the Warriors in the 2016 Finals, mm-hmm. and LeBron only led them back into that. 
but also led the entire series in every single stat against a 73-win team. That is something not only MJ's never done, no other player in the history of the NBA has ever done in a single playoff series, let alone the finals. To you, does that not outweigh any downfall of LeBron's career, and more in particular because of the fact he did something so unprecedented? Does that, in your eyes, not give him any type of advantage in legacy? No, because, I mean, he was... He had a great series. I don't take nothing away from him. That. But what you, what you, what you, you know, don't leave out, you know, and that's what he did. I think you talking about twenty sixteen when they won the title. Yeah. And they came back. Okay. Now when they when they went and got Kevin Durant, he led he, he led his team in those stats as well. But it was more pad. It was more stat chasing than anything else because <laughs> he knew that they were going to lose that series. Oh, he knew play. that. <laughs> they should have took game one, but Jared Smith's dumbass blew it. They should have. He had them in position to win that game one. And that so hold on. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Was that the second year with the 51 point that he... That was 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the yeah, next year. Yeah, this is the next year. Yeah, that's when they got so, KD first. No, year. I'm sorry. 2018 is when he went 51, 8, and 8 in game one, yeah, and JR did that. Oh, that's 2018. Let me ask you a question. You said stat chasing, right? In that regard. Okay. So what was Michael doing when he was getting swept by the Celtics? He was averaging almost a triple double. Was he like, not stat chasing then? Because he, they clearly knew they were going to lose, right? No, nah, because if you if, if you if you watch game number, I mean game number two went to double overtime. I don't I don't think he's trying to lose. Right, right. just like when in overtime in twenty eighteen against the, the Warriors, finals, they didn't yeah. think they were going to lose that one either. Who the the Cavs? That team had. No, he thought, no, he thought they were going to win. With George Hill in their starting lineup. Well, I mean, he, he got him to the end of the game, and then uh, what? Uh, Michael Le- LeBron hit three buzzer beaters in that playoffs just to get him to the finals. That team was full of role players. The, my question was, you you made the statement that well, you know, LeBron put up those numbers the next year around after they had won the title because he was stat chasing. How do you, how do we know that? How do we know that? That's what he was doing. It's weird though. It's like LeBron James' numbers are always good. Well, uh, but he's always in, in, the, in the 2017 finals uh, against four Hall of Famers in the prime. Mm-hmm. LeBron averaged 34, 12, and 10 on 56 percent shooting. We're going to sit here and just say, "Oh, that was just stat chasing." No, no, no. What I said was in 2016. Yeah, he had uh, look. LeBron, LeBron is going to lead his team in those stats because he's the best player on that team, and mm-hmm. and his role, his role is different. LeBron is, is LeBron is facilitating so. Yeah, he's going to score, and, and he should lead his team with assists because he's the point guard. Rebounds, assists, points, blocks, steals, dudes. blocks, everything. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> he's the best player in the court. I mean, he's playing the most minutes, and and he has the ball in his hands. Then why didn't MJ do that? Because LeBron has more responsibility. You do know that in their six title runs, only Michael Jordan only led them. Hold points. on, real quick. Points that's and, and points. That's the only thing Michael Jordan. Run the point. Right, which almost sounds like LeBron had more value. LeBron had to run point. He ran. More, he led his team in points while leading in assists, rebounds, steals, blocks, and every other stat. That doesn't sound like more value to you. That's why I bring it up because when it comes to legacy, when it comes to individuality, LeBron did things and has done things Michael never did, and he's doing it against tougher competition. He did it against a seventy-three win team. In Michael's final game as a Bull, he dropped forty-five points or yeah, forty-five points in forty-three minutes. That's awesome. They leave out the fact he shot 43% from the game and had one assist and one okay. rebound. Saw it again the other night. My point is, how easy is it for you to be a guy that says, you know what, in this game, all they have to worry about is scoring. I'm not going to go with the number one primary scorer. That's Scottie Pippen. I don't have to rebound. That's, De- that's Dennis Rodman. I've got to get other players involved. I just have to so score. LeBron never had that, that delicacy. Uh, he uh, never had that luxury. Uh, again, he chose his team. 
I mean, that's, you know, I mean. But he was like that on every team he was on. No, 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 because he wasn't, he wasn't like that. He did that Miami. at 22. He led, he led the entire season. He won two MVPs in, with Miami. In 2006 against that, that, yeah, but, that uh, but, but, Pistons but, team. But, but he didn't have to lead the team in all those, all those particular stats because you had Chris Bosh down there. Yeah, yeah, Dwayne Wade. So I mean, you you, you had you had all star, you had all NBA players on your squad. Now when he was now when he's in uh, when he's in Cleveland, yeah, Kyrie Irving, again, Kyrie Irving hits the shot that clinched the title for him. So I mean, if he doesn't hit that shot, then Paxton Kerr. Well, they, they hit the shot. Kerr, Kerr hit the shot in the Pacers series and the Sonics series. Put it away. Here's here's the question I want to I want to I want to get this question before Darren because I, I I again man sincerely thank you thank you for being here seriously it means a lot and I appreciate all the listeners as well I can't even imagine what the comment thread's been like this is the final question I want to ask you why didn't MJ have to win eleven or more rings to be considered the goat why have why was five fewer than Russell enough and when did rings determine individual greatness in your opinion. Okay, ask those questions one at a time because I think you guys like three or four. Of them. I'm sorry, yeah, so the first question is... It is almost 11. Why, why didn't MJ have to win 11 more rings to be considered the GOAT? Well, that would be according to me at the time, and I think because, as you mentioned before, Russell only played against eight or nine teams versus mm-hmm. 28, I believe, so... Yeah, okay. I mean, you, had, you only needed, you only had, what, two rounds before you got to the NBA Finals so, at that time. So, so I can... To answer the question, it's basically you're saying that the titles MJ won were harder to win. No, no, that's not what I said. What I said was he only had he only had to go through two. You asked right. me why 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 is this six considered better than than Russell's eleven? Right. I'm saying that I believe not because I'm not based on any particular fact. I believe that at that time, as you mentioned before, yeah, absolutely, Russell only had only had to face eight or nine teams, so. You go pretty much do a damn near around round because you only you only have to go two rounds at that time right. before you're in or when you're in the NBA Finals. I think it was expanded to three. I think in sometime in the eighties or maybe late seventies. I can't remember when it was expanded uh, to three rounds or whatever. So, so you know, but, but again, fact, but but to get to your second yeah. point, that I can get. Go ahead. Um, I think his I think his six held more significance because he did a. By being undefeated when it when it mattered most, I think Russell ended up losing the finals. Uh, I think to the Lakers when was it? I think that might have been the year that Jerry West finally got a finally got a ring. So I think I think that's the reason why. I think I think had Russell been twelve and zero, you probably have an argument. Okay, and then the 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 question, the last question I had is why has why was five fewer better than uh, why was a few but five fewer better than Russell? That was enough. And when did rings determine individual greatness? Because we've talked about that a lot tonight. Why would you? When did that become a thing? Because it wasn't when Michael was winning his first few. Because no one was saying that they're already calling him the goat when he won his third. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, yeah, because that kind of now trust me, I was. I was one that was kind of baffled by when he won his third. I think because he had three Peter, which hadn't been done since, I think the uh, the I think the Celtics and I, it was may have been one other. I think may have been the fifties Lakers. There was one other team that had done that had done a three Peter at least before before Chicago. And I know the the Celtics won eight straight, so it was right, in the sixties, right, right, yeah. But but I, but there was another team. I think it was the Lakers that had done it. it might might have been a, a Mike and Lee team that that, that won uh, three three in a row or something like that to where. Uh, again, I don't know at that time why they, you know, maybe he was the best player on the planet at the time that they considered him to go at that time, but then for him to retire 
and not only come back and win, but to do to do a three peat again was you know something that I think had never been done before. And I, it obviously had never been done in football. I think the 49ers had the closest chance for me until they lost to the uh, uh, the Giants in the NFC Championship game. But at that time, again, that's the narrative of the media, man. I can't, fair I, enough. I, fair I, enough. I can't, I can't answer that. Before you get out of here, man, uh, let the people know where they can find you on all social media platforms and tell them when your show is. Yes, uh, again, thank you very much for inviting me on. I always have a, a fun time. <laughs> it was a great time, man. Fun battles. Um, well, currently, uh, I'm not on the ESP Kansas City side because of the, the pandemic stuff. So I'm on on Sundays from, from noon to 2 p.m. on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Uh, this Sunday, I, I, I believe I'll have Chris Broussard from FS1, nice. uh, Fox Sports Radio, The Odd Couple. And... I'm scheduled to also speak with LeVar Arrington. Nice, nice. Who's on, who's on FS1 and I think Fox Sports Radio as well. So uh, those will be my guests for this weekend show. Um, and then, you know, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Darren Smith WHB. Heck yeah, yeah. We, we watch your live streams on Facebook quite often. Guys, definitely get on Facebook, get on Twitter, follow our guy, Darren. I'm telling you, this dude works harder than anybody in our media, in our local media. I'm telling you guys, it's not even close. This, this is why I respect him. That's why I always have him on the show. And whenever he wants to be on here, he's always welcome because he's family here as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So we definitely appreciate you taking your time out of your busy-ass schedule, man. It means a lot to us. And thank you so much for con- for taking this L so, 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 you know, professionally. So I'm kidding. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Actually, believe it or not, we're going to take a break real quick. When we get back, guys, um, we're actually going to open up the Monday mailbag. We're going to get your guys as questions, your concerns, your topics, your debates, your discussions, whatever it is. Let me, Good. Let me do this. Let do me uh, take a quick break. I'll answer one of those because I, I remember looking at the mailbag. I think our friend Shane Williams had a question for me. You get bonus Darren Smith, boys and girls. We'll be right back after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at CommandeerBrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Well, hey guys, welcome back. Uh, back at it again on the Spoken Podcast. We are here in the KCPN studios for episode 64 with my guy Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Gad is in the back with the, uh, I think she's got a microphone right now, if I'm not mistaken. I do. She's got a microphone. And our guy Darren Smith from Sports Radio 810 WHB was nice enough to stick around for at least one question in the Monday mailbag. There was one, I think, that was particularly uh, geared towards uh, Darren for being here tonight. So, Gat, if we could, I don't know if you have, need a second or not. Oh, uh, yeah, I was just staring off in the camera. <laughs> well, yeah, I just wanted to get that question in for our guy Darren Smith because he's got to you know, hang out with all the celebrity A-listers and stuff after this. You know, he's got parties yes. to attend to. So, so we had a uh, write-in of, of course, Shaggy Shane, uh, yeah. who might not be Shaggy anymore, but that's another, that's another discussion. I'm not ready for that. We'll see what actually happens. But uh, it looks like after his question is, last week on the show, Trevor agreed with Michael Wilbin on the discussion of the new Rooney rule that was in talks of being put into place. Mm-hmm. After the embarrassment and disrespect that was shown to Eric Bieniemy and other worthy minorities by the Carolina Panthers and New York Giants this winter, I myself felt like last week's proposal was fair so my question is for darren smith did you like the proposal that the nfl unveiled this week or do you agree with me that last week's proposal was that was in talks was better 
Well, Shane always, uh, <laughs> he always has good questions for us. Um, so now, there are two, there were two rules. One that was amended that didn't need to be voted on, and there was one that was tabled. The one that was tabled was the one dealing with the draft picks for a hiring. So that's been tabled. I doubt that goes anywhere. I don't agree with it, uh, you know, because it's kind of an affirmative action type thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, I, I do, I do, however, like the fact that you're admitting it to one, you now have teams, they have to interview these two African American uh, uh, for the position of head coach. And now it's also been expanded where you have to interview African Americans for the coordinator positions as well, as well as the general manager position uh, or vice president type, you know, front office type position. Right. So uh, I am a big proponent for that. Unfortunately, you know, and it is it is true as it is in life. Um, you shouldn't have to reward people to do the right things, and that's what that's what that would have been right. with the with the incentive. So again, it's being tabled. I don't like it. I mean, if, if you're gonna do it, make it a first rounder. I mean, don't you know? <laughs> where, see, what I mean, right. if if you're gonna try to do it and go all the way with it, then go all the way with it first round versus third. You know, moving up in the third round or something like that. Um, again, I, I don't like it, but you know, it, one is making people have the conversations, making it's making them look at themselves in the mirror. Uh, but the fact that we are even still talking about this because, you know, the Rooney Rule is based off of uh, off uh, of uh, uh, Dan Rooney, uh, who was the owner and president at the time of of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, they brought in Mike Tomlin. You saw mm-hmm. I paid dividends, two Super Bowl trips. Uh, with the Super Bowl victory, uh, you had uh, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy had to wait, I believe, a decade or ten years out, uh, for him to get his opportunity at a head coach. And you saw the tree that he, you know, that he that he had. I believe and, Tomlin's the longest tenured coach in the league right now, isn't he? he Belichick. Bill, Bill, oh, Bill, yeah, Bill, him and Belichick. Yeah, he's, but yeah. I think he would be. I think he's. He's up there. Two. He's got to be. Yeah. yeah so there's only been what three or four coaches in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think he's yeah. yeah. So. Um, then when you look at that, you know, in the Super Bowl, I mean, I wrote about it when I was writing for the for the uh, uh, Cass County Democrat, where I talked about, you know, here this history. You had, uh, you had Tony Dundee coaching against one of his one of his uh, pupils in Lovey Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time you had, uh, you know, again, and the problem that I have with, with the situation and Here's the thing. I I was on I'm on the, the Chiefs media thing. So when they have media availability, I'm on, I'm on the Zoom uh, conference calls. And so I wanted to get a question in this week. We had Eric Bieniemy, Dave Tobe, as well as uh, Steve Spagnuolo. I knew somebody was going to ask Bieniemy uh, uh, about the Rooney about the Rooney stuff. Mm. But see, I wanted to ask that. I wanted to get a question in today uh, to Steve Spagnuolo and ask him his thoughts because. You know, we always just by our very nature are going to ask the black, you know, the black person their thoughts and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, he got asked, Andy Reid got asked today. Uh, I know my, my friend Steve Wallace is going to ask the question, but uh, I think they let Serene Petro ask that question to Andy Reid regarding the Rooney Rule and Eric Bieniemy. Uh, but for me, I want to get that question asked to Steve Spagnuolo because, again, you know, I already know what Eric is going to say, one, because I had the conversation with him at the Super Bowl opening night. We talked at night about something. I know what he's going to say, and he's not going to say anything 
one to give you something to write about. He's not going to do anything that would jeopardize his chance. And I would ask him a question like that to have him jeopardize his chance. For me, my question is going to go to Steve Spagnuolo because he used to be head coach, and you know, and then, and I know he's going to try to probably seek another head coach if if he can lead this team to another Super Bowl. Um, but you know, but I want to put their feet. I, you know, for me as a black reporter, I want to put the white coaches, some of the white players, I, I did it with Alex Smith, I had no problem doing it, putting their feet to the fire when it comes to some of these black issues because these are people that one that you're teaming with, you're in the locker room with, you're in the coaches room with, that, you know, you may need to vouch for. I mean, publicly so people know, you know, and and one of the things that, you know, I probably I don't mind asking the tough questions. I don't mind asking questions that they that they get, you know, they might get a little fidgety or you know, Chiefs PR even get upset about because, to me, people are people are talking about people are asking questions. But you know, I'm a big point. It's something you know when you all you know get your opportunities, uh, hopefully soon. You know, don't be afraid to ask those questions. I mean, all, hell, all they can do is say no, and you know. But the questions has you know they have to be asked. Yeah. And and to me. Uh, I had the conversation. I had the conversation at last Sunday with Jared Bell and and may maybe Rob Parker, but I know definitely Jared Bell to where, you know, Tom Brady lent his name to the athletic or to the, uh, um, uh, the not the athletic but the uh, oh gosh uh, the Ringer huh? is it the Ringer? No, it's not the Ringer. Uh, uh, the the players, the players' tribute. Oh yeah, okay. Day, you know, to, to about the. About the kid being uh, gunned down down in Georgia, right? Yeah, name for Ahmad Arbery. Yep. And so, you know, he lent his name, and and so, again, you know, we talk about how we don't want player. You know, it's funny because we talk about Colin Kaepernick, and people, you know, fall one side or the other as it relates to him, but at least he took a stand. And so, to me, when you had that type of responsibility, again, he didn't have to. Tom Brady didn't have to, but he lent his name. And and it means something to people. And why, guy? Because you know you would expect you know black athletes to do stuff like that. But then I, there are also times when people are so concerned about their brand. You can kind of trail back to Michael Jordan, you know, with his brand and stuff like that, not not speaking up. And he got rightfully criticized for yep. it. Rightfully criticized. But but also but also to his point, him not criticizing allowed him to gain the quote unquote capital to where you know, would allow someone like LeBron James later on to be able to do that. So, like Michael Jordan, not speaking up back then, might have had a better effect for not for 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 someone like LeBron to be able to speak up now. And so, you know, I and I've told him, you know, I'm going to put Patrick's feet to the fire when it comes to certain issues because he's a leader. And and I was going to do the same thing with with Travis Kelsey, uh, but you know, they didn't let me get a question. And so, you know, it, it, to me, it's never it's never it's never a wrong time to do the right thing, and, and even though the NFL, uh, you know, know what's going, you know, I mean, they know they have a problem. I mean, he, uh, Goodell dressed it in Miami uh, at the Super Bowl that they have a problem. Now, the owners they'll find a way out later on. You know, they, they'll they'll take the bad PR. They'll do what needs to be done right now, but they'll still figure out a way to do a dog and pony show because mm. they're gonna have that guy. You know, they're gonna have their eye on somebody. But they'll just go, you know, give everybody the facade that yeah, we're going through the motions, and then somebody else with no experience will get picked. So, uh, to answer Shane's question again, 
as it relates to the incentive, not really for it, but you know, it's going to be it's tabled. I doubt, I doubt that it gets passed. Uh, but I am a big proponent and support the fact that they amended the Rooney Rule to force teams to bring in at least two African Americans now for a coach position, and then for coordinators, they've expanded now to the coordinator position as well. Right. And 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 that's the other thing too. We have to be given, and I hate to say that we have to be given. But we have to be given the opportunity because you got to remember the, the 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 premier position is obviously the quarterback and and on defense, middle linebacker, safety, stuff like that. But who's who are getting these jobs? I mean, a lot of quarterbacks right now that are in college are white. You know, I mean, you you, you come along, you get you know, you're getting the Deshaun's and the Lamar's that are filtering in where you know teams are getting more athletic uh, uh, quarterbacks that can run and throw the football. But again, but their coordinators are still white. So if you know, but you're but but you you know you will hire blacks to be position coaches, like running back, wide receivers. But you're not. But you're not allowing them to be a coordinator. I think Eric Bieniemy got a chance to be a coordinator when he was in Colorado. So, yeah. So right. he had he, he had some experience uh, at doing that. Again, you. You don't think that they should be given, but you at least got to be given the opportunity. Absolutely. To do so, and the fact organically, that have, yeah, and the fact that you have seventy, seventy-five percent of your league right. looking one way, but your coaching staff or your coordinators and your owners, front office looking a different way. It, yeah, it's just it's like, like Rob Parker said about NHL. If yeah, NHL yeah. had nothing but black coaches and owners, wouldn't that look a little funny? Yeah. So say like it, it's yeah. So I and the fact that here we are. From when the first when the rumor was first instituted to now, maybe 15, 17 years later, that we're still having this conversation that we that we have to go back and even make amendments. The problem I have with it, ultimately, Darren, and I really do appreciate the fact you broke all that down, man, because I always love hearing your insight about things like this because you have exclusive, oftentimes one-on-one conversations or at least interview type of scenarios with these athletes uh, of all color, quite frankly. Um I, what I hate about it the most, and I mean I, I, I despise this idea, is because I feel, if I can just say it straight up, they're using black men as a prop. It's straight up. I hate I hate the fact that we're using other human beings to basically incentivize an opportunity for a team to get a good pick. That's insanity to me. Like like Michael Wilbon did say, yeah, Michael Wilbon did say on PTI, it's like it's basically a game show host. Like, come on down, brother. You, you know, know, it's just it's. And, and, and let me say this because, uh, and I, I'm sorry just because I don't. Yeah, absolutely. My Go ahead. Um, I, God, dog, I had a conversation. And I don't know if it, it might might have been Jared Bell or I think it was with Rob Parker last Sunday as a matter of fact. So we were talking about uh, talking about that rule itself, but it was it was Ray Sherman, I believe, who was the head coach. Of the Green Bay Packers in nineteen, he was only there for one one year. Ray Rhodes. Oh, Ray okay, Rhodes, yeah, yeah. He was he was there for one year, nineteen ninety nine, I believe it was. And this was the first time that he had his his coordinators were black. So the head coach coordinators were black. I think it was Ray Sherman who was black for the uh, office coordinator, and it was and it was our very own uh, Emmett uh, Emmett Thomas mm. that was the defensive coordinator. Now, look, I'll be the first to say, and I, I'll tell Eric. When he when he gets his, when he gets you know becomes the head coach, it's your responsibility to make sure that you bring others along and put them in the position, you know like and and he shouldn't shouldn't have to be that way. But sometimes it has to be that way to where you get the head coaching job. Look, man, I don't care what they say. You hire the best person, but that best person happens to look like you, so be it. 
I 100% agree. That's that, that. I don't have anything else to add to that. I just had to express my frustration with this entire thing. Trevor and I, Eddie brought it up on our show last week, and I didn't really want to go into it too much because, again, it's for, it's so frustrating that I could sit here for 30 minutes and just bitch and complain about it because, like you said, the fact we're still sitting here having these types of conversations where they even have to table ideas like this <laughs> is just baffling to me that they're talking about it on national TV and radio where well they're thinking about this shouldn't even have to be a consideration and like you said black coaches shouldn't have to feel this obligation to where they have to look to make sure they're getting people that look like them in their in their in their uh, availabilities otherwise they're not going to get jobs other places that's yeah I mean it's been proven that I mean again we talked to uh, um, well and, and, and it really starts from like someone like Dennis Erickson because. Tony Dungy and all of them, Leslie Frazier, they all came from that from the Tony Dungy tree. And then, you know, you get to him, you get the Lovey Smith, you get the Mike Tomlin. Yeah. You know, I mean, so that's, I mean, and you still, and again, when you get the opportunity, you got to give them up. You can't be like Steve Wilkes where you give this guy one year. <laughs> yeah. And then you turn around and you hire Cliff Kingsbury. He has a good right. record, but you keep him on. And so I, I mean, well, the optics of that is bad in itself. Oh, you know, it's just it's bad in itself. Todd Bull's not getting a real fair shake in New York. Yeah, my guy, who, uh, Jim Caldwell. Yeah, he was nine and seven. Right, and got fired. And then you, and then you bring in uh, Matt Patricia. Right, and he, and they put him through the Peyton Manning era where he had to have the neck surgery and all that uh, shit that went on. I mean, yeah, I'm with you, man, 100. percent And again, I really do appreciate you expanding upon that. Yeah. I appreciate you being here till 11 damn o'clock at night. <laughs> You really are the MVP here, man. And again, I, I know you hear me say it every time. You are always welcome here with us. Yeah. I feel like you only make this show better every time you're on here. We really do appreciate you taking the time being here with us tonight, man. So in that, if you have any other parting gifts you want to give anybody else, like I said, Shaggy got us on this topic for 15 minutes. So Nah, man, we might do it by phone next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still got to drive from where you are at. I still got to make sure yeah. I get home alive. Well, I really appreciate it, man. We really, really do thank you a lot for yeah, being here, man. So uh, we're going to continue. Continue with the Monday mailbag, though. Uh, I'm sure there's other questions out there that we can answer while Darren either rests and or drives. Hopefully he drives and then rests. That's the that's the, the hope here. But, yeah, do we have any other questions for uh, the Monday mailbag? We sure do. You're good to go. So Thank you so got, much, Darren. We've got you, a lot of questions on the Monday mailbag, but mostly uh, Donnie Couch did not start off with any. There's no toothpaste oh, stuff no. going on. Um, Thank you. But this is something completely off topic from last dance coverage and also just going back and forth with the new rules. Uh, he says, Hey guys, so I have an opinion that will not be very popular uh, with a lot of people, but wanted to get your thoughts on it. I think Tyron Matthew up to this point has had a better career than Troy Palomalu. This, uh, is, this is it. This is, there's no, that's a whole statement. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's just completely out of left field. I wasn't so. ready for that. Yeah. In what, in, gonna, in, yeah. in what way, Look, Tyron, I love Tyron Matthew. In what way has he been a better football player or had more success than Troy Polo? I, I don't see how. Troy Polo is by far one of the five greatest safeties we've ever seen in NFL history. Um, I, I don't think I can get with that one. I, I, I'd really have to hear the reason behind that because if you just say, I think Tyron Matthew's been better at this point, I, I just have to know how because I, I really don't see it. Leadership maybe vocal leadership because of the fact that Troy Palomo was such a quiet, a soft-spoken type of guy. Maybe that's the case you're going with. Talent, though, I 
I don't know if I can get around that one. I, I think that Troy Palomalo is by far one of the five greatest safeties we've ever seen play in the NFL. Yeah, it's hard to. There's similar players to the fact that they're 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 versatile chess piece type players. Tyrone might be better in coverage, maybe, because uh, I think he's a little smaller and compact and a little faster than Palomalu was. But Palomalu was an absolute skull crushing hitter. The guy we've seen how many times he would make play after play, jumping over the line of scrimmage or or just bursting through the line and sacking the shit out of a quarterback. I mean, I'm not ready to even compare the two yet. Uh, Palomalu is a, a true Hall of Fame player, you know, so. Uh, I don't think he's better yet. He, he he's still a young enough player, and it's, and it's, say he we ring off a couple more chips here, and he's a part of a dynasty. Do you have an argument there? Uh, but I love both players. They're they're different in their own way. But I'm not I'm not ready to say Tyrone has a better. He definitely has he hasn't had a better career yet. You can't say he's had it because he just factually has not had a better career yet. Yeah, um, no, I absolutely want to, like, just out of nowhere, he just wanted to drop that, hey, guys, I think that Trump... It's a good, yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's a good, just drop that <laughs> mic out there, discussion that. piece, um, but yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah, and then, like, most of it, it, Chris Dirks comes in, he says, needs to be a full segment on the MJ versus LeBron debate. I think we covered that I think tonight. we did that, yeah. Um, oh, there's so the, much more we could have went um, to. I know, and that's the funny part, because a lot of the people on the stream chat were like, have have they been breathing? Are they okay? Like, uh, are you okay? No, are you me and Lance have this debate with each other almost every day, like, Listen, this is what we love to talk about. There's nothing, there was no animosity. Trust me, Darren is my guy. We love Darren Smith. He's amazing. So, yeah, yes, we didn't breathe, but trust (laughs) me, we're fine. We're just fine. Yeah, and and thanks to Eddie for catching that, by the way. You know, we got the audio all figured out, so we're good to go. So, um, then Donnie comes back in, and he's back here, and he says, another question for you guys, and I guess it's more of a statement on a personal matter of mine. After I complete... Uh, law school, I plan to go to the United States Space Force as a JAG officer. <laughs> nice. And I have started working out. Any tips for working out? I've just been walking two miles a day. So that's a serious question. <laughs> well, I'm going to let Trevor have this <laughs> one. Do with this right I, I don't know. what. Whatever you're on, Donnie, I want two of them. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. I want two of them. Trevor, uh, you go, go right ahead, Mr. Nutritionalist. So, okay. So he's asking any tips on working out. That's what it sounds like. Uh, just because he wants to be a JAG officer. How about this? How about this? I just want you to say JAG officer. Oh, okay. <laughs> really, ha, ha. I didn't want to like ruin the joke, but I didn't also want to go into like two hours of nutritional coaching for this. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, just uh, do some push-ups, my, my guy. Yeah. Push-ups, push-ups body good. squats. Cream of wheat. If you, got, if you got children, you know, curl the kids. I'd, curl the kids. Yeah. <laughs> curl the kids. I, I, I mean, I do some stuff like that with my yeah. kids. I'll squat my kids and curl them for you fun. But, absolutely do that. Yeah. Um, Trevor's DMs are open, Donnie. Trevor's Go ahead. Trevor's DMs yeah. about fitness. Y- hit him up. Open. Hit him up. Uh, hey. We got one last question from Donnie Couch, and it's it's a good one. Uh, have you guys ever seen a team hold on hold on to one win in a one eleven matchup like the Chargers have, I'm pretty sure they've had banners made for that one win against the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, with the new stadium, you know what? I feel like there's an obligation. They got to have something hanging off right. those rafters. So you know what, Donnie? I think we maybe maybe we should give them a little GoFundMe help on this and get them a little banner, you know, stitched, not in you know embroidery, you know, something like that, something nice to make them feel like they have something special to hold on to. So let's let's go ahead and let's go ahead and go with that full motion. I, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, in the new stadium especially. Yeah, I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> nothing to add to Donnie's come no. on man we're gonna lose Donnie Trevor we right? really are like uh, asshole not here. You, you put it there you put it pretty good there I- <laughs> you, 
you're just gonna go with that one yeah i get it uh, we got another one from ramon sabilia saying how about you give a fair critical analysis on lbj as you do mj and so i'm thinking he means obviously lyndon b johnson on this one yeah uh and mj so how can you compare lyndon b johnson i would say lyndon lbj lyndon b johnson did a really good job of filling in at at president uh, a lot better than michael did uh, (laughs) just because you know michael never put you know himself in the political field which was pretty obvious with harvey gant what is happening um so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and say that uh the the fair criticism was that lbj although he filled the role uh, he didn't. He wasn't the best president ever. Is that what so, you look for? In yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Ramon. But that, yeah, it's <laughs> that's the only criticism I can give LBJ. If you have a, if you want to, you know, me to answer one on a criticism of LeBron James, I can do that. But since that's what you asked about LBJ, we'll stick with that answer. Yeah, yeah, we'll st- <laughs> we'll stick with that. Trev is not having it. Today. No, <clears throat> we we got to get to the topic though that everybody wants to know about because I'm not sure if there's been a public statement. If there's been a huge. Um, rally behind this movement but Billy Hodge is coming in with the take that we all want to know about and it's how do you guys feel about Shaggy Shane shaving his beard off okay look Shaggy Shane is one of the closest people in my life I talk to Shaggy Shane every single day and um Shaggy is fully aware of how heartbroken I am right now. I, I'm, I'm not going to recover from this until I see those hair follicles start to produce hair again. He's not allowed back on the show. Yeah, we're not even going to show his face. Uh, he sends me those emojis, and you know, like your, your reactions, like your own meme emojis. I think that's what mm. they're called. And I used to get so used to having that nice, luscious beard that he'd send me, like you know, the meme emojis of. Now it's yeah. this clean, creepy looking dude with the with the same like Joe Pesci Home Alone. Um, a beanie and it's creepy as shit. So I don't know if it was the Travis Kelsey shaving his beard that inspired him, or uh, yeah, did you, did you mess Shaggy, up? I don't Shaggy, know. please. Has John Stoner also shaved his beard. Oh, what is happening? Stoner so and Shaggy, like where people are getting this idea. Kansas City's okay. taking some L's. Like we're taking L's out here in Kansas City right now, and that's not something we're used to anymore. So uh, got a neck tat. Might as well get a neck tat now too. <laughs> While we're at it, just follow. So if Billy's asking our reactions, Billy, we are distraught, we are broken, we are lost, we are I don't, know who, he, I don't know who he is anymore. Huh? Yeah, we're just we're just totally. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm I'm writing poetry because of it, and it's it's not a good thing. Yeah, me put together an all-time Kansas City Kings list, and I did that for you. And we did that for you, Shaggy, bearded Shaggy, and then you cut that beard that same night. It's betrayal, man. It's betrayal. And, and Think who about are, that. Who are you? his own show on the response because they can't answer that question until they have seen the Shaggy Shane show this Sunday. Like, you are the not so, the not so Shaggy Shane, Shane show. Promoting your uh, own shit. The sweet chin Shaggy. <laughs> the not so Shaggy uh, Shane show. This is incredible. And that actually does conclude this week's Monday mailbag was this grave disappointment. Now, I was in, I was in kind of a good mood and then we have to talk about yeah. The the bearding of, of yeah. Shaggy. That's, this sucks. He's cut the cameras. Good thing quarantine's going on right now because you know I didn't. If I you know was allowed to see Shaggy, it'd be very very tough to to see that face right now. It's mm. been it's like 2016. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's all right. I'm holding strong. Trevor's got kind of something going on on his face, but we're gonna take a quick break because we have something coming up that you guys look forward to. I look forward to every week. Trevor, what's it called? Hold this L. KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at KC Hemp Co.
Yes. It is time to hold this L. Every single week we give out L's in the sports world of people that are most deserving of them. And so tonight, without our Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, we only got two L's for you guys tonight. And Trevor, I'm going to have you start with it. Trevor, who is holding the L for you this week? Uh, well, it seems that Paul Pierce has shit his pants again um, for the second time in his career. Most of you guys have already been hearing it. It's been circulating all over the, the webs. Um, Paul Pierce decided to uh, be all-time salty. We've seen him salty numerous times, especially when it comes to LeBron James. Decides to, even though a few weeks ago had LeBron James in his top five all-time, Mount Rushmore players. I don't normally care on people's opinions, but the fact that it's Paul Pierce, mind you, I grew up loving Paul Pierce. One of my all-time, probably my favorite KU team ever. Him, Ray for the Friends, that was, I loved that team. <clears throat> One of the best teams KU ever had. Um, so he's, he's Hall of Fame KU player for me. I even liked him a lot in the Celtics. I liked him as a player. But you can't have the alias, the nickname, the truth, and then continue on your broadcasting TV analyst career doing representing nothing but the opposite of the truth. So a few days ago, he, he's on the, a Zoom call, I believe, with uh, Jalen Rose, um, who, uh, Jason Williams, and I forget who else was on the call. Somebody else. I think it was a female. I can't remember who it is. Uh, anyways, he decides to go on his, go off and list his top five. Doesn't matter who the top five players are. He had Kobe in the top five, which is fine. Some people have Kobe in the top five. Some people have Kobe as their number one. I don't really care. But the fact that a few weeks ago, this because obviously these discussions, these Mount Rushmore discussions are constantly going on all the time, especially in this quarantine day and age that we're living in. Um, it's a hot topic, especially with this documentary out. Anyways, he's he for a while now he's had LeBron in his top five as Mount Rushmore. He's made that claim. But then since I don't know whether it's this documentary that's come out or just the pure saltiness of Paul Pierce and the fact that LeBron James absolutely shit on his career and ended his career earlier than he would or not even say earlier, but just caused the ending not to be ideal for what Paul Pierce had in mind, right? Ended the dynasty earlier than he would want it to. Even the dynasty that he thought he was going to go form in, in, in New York um, decides to keep LeBron James out of his top five now. And he said he might be in the seventh, eighth spot somewhere, somewhere further down. I don't, like I said, I don't really know what caused it. I personally think it's just his personal saltiness, similar to what the MJ, Isaiah Thomas issues are with that beat between the two. Um, that's just never going to end. And then it, I don't think we had a, I don't know if you saw Perkins. Uh, Kendrick Perkins came out talking about how Paul Pierce at one point spit on the spit uh, Hockalugan spit it towards the Cavaliers bench in one of their their series uh, when they were facing each other. Um, yeah, I just I think Paul Pierce deserves this L because of the saltiness of him backpedaling the idea that LeBron James is. A, I think it's asinine at this point that we're having this discussion whether LeBron is a top five player or not. We just we just spent what. Four hours talking about LeBron James being the GOAT from our end. And we got to have dumbasses like Hall of Fame players like Paul Pierce really being intellectually dishonest to himself because everyone else knows. You can see Jalen Rose's. Go watch the feed. Jalen Rose's face. Jason Williams is beside himself. 
It's 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 a common sense thing that LeBron James is unquestionably a top five Mount Rushmore player in, in, in the NBA history. It's not even a question. So the fact that Paul Pierce is publicly, publicly making an ass of himself and leaving LeBron James, purposely leaving LeBron James out of the, not only the top five, but he's, he's saying he's further down, maybe the seventh, eighth, ninth spot. I can go on all day about this, this the, the, what leads into it, what LeBron James has done. You know what? I'm going to pull up a stat real quick. I just want to read this real quick. I had this up. Let me see. Just what LeBron James did to him. So LeBron James versus Paul Pierce throughout his entire career. This is every game. 49 points. 45 points twice. 43 points. 42 points. 38 points five times. 37 points twice. 36 points four times. 35 points five times. 34 points three times. 30, or 34 points three times. 33 points twice. 32 points three times. 31 points three times. 30 points two times. That's uh, that's twelve hundred twenty-four points, and those are in thirty-four games. Let me let me say that again: twelve hundred and twenty-four points in thirty-four games against Paul Pierce, head to head. In total, LeBron James has scored two thousand fourteen points against Paul Pierce in his career. LeBron has scored forty thousand points, regular and postseason combined. That's he scored one twentieth of his points against Paul Pierce. Absolute domination. And it, and it and only that only alludes to why Paul Pierce is on there because he knows. I mean, how, I mean, how much of a, more of a giveaway can you get, in, as far as your saltiness level goes? I mean, it's it's pathetic, honestly. And then everyone on that feed who was watching that and who was on that that Zoom meeting was just embarrassed that he was even. You can even see it in his face. It's funny. Go watch it. I'm telling you, I encourage you to go watch it if you haven't seen it. Look at Paul Pierce's face when he's saying it. You know he's bullshitting himself the whole time. His lips like quivering. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't want to say it because he knows he's flat out wrong, and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to me because he's a KU guy. I loved him growing up, and it just it affects me more. It pisses me off even more. But my guy, Paul Pierce, legend, Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame salty player. If we're gonna go there, you have to do me a big favor, my guy, and hold, hold this L. L. Speaking of someone else's bitch. Um, you know, I, be, I better not be included. In this. <laughs> who's the bitch? You guys want to know who the bitch is? Who's the bitch? There's like, two bitches. Um, it it has you know, Last Dance is obviously something we're going to be talking about for years to come, and there's so much to take away from that series. And uh, one of the parts that I don't think is getting enough attention is the fact that Reggie Miller managed to remove his mouth off of MJ's zipper long enough to create a take or remind us of what took place in those times of when MJ just dominated him in every regard, so much so that the the the, the power line with a head tried to fight Michael Jordan on the on the court multiple times and got his ass beat each and every time. I was so much in MJ's corner when they were showing the uh, video of Michael watching those videos, and he's sitting there going, no, let him go, let him go, because Michael would have ripped Reggie to shreds physically just like he did in basketball. Like, something Nick Wright said that was 100% correct this last week about Reggie Miller that I've always believed, I just never could find the words for it. Reggie Miller is one of those players that is more known for the people that beat him than what he actually did in his own career. In that 97-98 series, Reggie Miller was a 32-year-old player at that time, which means he was either at the peak of his powers or right at the end of it. Dude was averaging less than 20 points a game, two rebounds, and two assists. That was his peak? 
This guy never stood a chance against Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And he's sitting here just glossing, just praising Michael for the fact that he whooped his ass every single year. Reggie Miller is to Michael what Paul Pierce is to LeBron James. Just a guy in his way. That's all he was. And Reggie, it's almost like he's proud of it. It's almost like he's proud to admit that he was the guy that MJ just destroyed on the court each and every time they faced each other. It's, I mean, you're talking about the highlight of Reggie's career was hitting a shot that didn't even end up being the game-winning shot. They ended up going to overtime with the Bulls in the game that he hit the biggest shot of his career in. That's Reggie Miller for you. And he's more known, again, for who beat him than who he actually beat himself. Reggie Miller was an absolute overrated loser. And for that, my guy Reggie Miller has to do me a favor and hold this L. Thank you. He didn't fear MJ, though. Bullshit. He didn't fear him, dude. He's one of the few that never feared him. I'm going to finish the show off with something because I know we started off the show a lot differently than anything we've ever done before. Uh, obviously, Darren and I and Trevor and I uh, going back and forth with this MJ LeBron uh, conversation, which, again, we could have kept going all night long about this because there was just so much more we could have gotten into. I didn't even get to relay all the facts that I wanted oh, to. I know, that's what I'm saying. We could have went on all night. But but tonight, I, I want to I talk about something that actually has to do with MJ, and it actually has nothing to do with LeBron James, believe it or not. And so now that the last dance is completed, we've now seen all that MJ wanted us to see in regards to his life and legacy. We have nothing le- nothing but time to express our opinions on all of it, and it's something we definitely plan on doing, and we're going to continue to do. But with the opinions come comparisons, naturally. And most of us have been in regards to LeBron and MJ. A, a new comparison emerged this week, and I want to rain on it for a second. Good morning, football's Peter Schrager, friend of the show. Made an MJ comparison, and he broke my rule by drawing parallels between two athletes in two different sports, which we all broke tonight as well. Uh, and his MJ comparison, of course, was with the Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. In Schrager's comparison, he lists off five he lists off five traits as to why Mahomes and MJ are essentially identical. They go as follows: one, silencing the critics early in their careers; two. Overcoming obstacles or previous failures. Three, saves his best for the big stage. Four, insane vision. And five, relentless intensity. Okay, so you hear those traits listed off and you think, well, of course, they're just alike. But my problem with these five traits listed is is how they're not completely honest. At least not a few of them. For one, the difference in critics between MJ and Mahomes couldn't be much more different. MJ had his critics, for sure. And he did silence them. But MJ came from a prestigious college program under one of the true great college head coaches and was a highly praised player going number three overall in his draft. And quite frankly, he would have went number two had the Blazers not already had a young Clyde Drexler who played the same exact position as MJ at the time. Whereas Mahomes not only came in to replace Alex Smith, who many unfortunately praised for being so mediocre in his own regard, but also Mahomes came from Texas Tech's, and more importantly, and more particularly, the Big 12. And what has been the running stereotype between Big 12 quarterbacks? They can't, re- they can't transition to the NFL. Patrick Mahomes was listed as a C-plus draft pick being labeled a project, and that he will be a turnover machine early in his career. I don't recall seeing any of those types of criticisms for MJ's game. 
All we heard was that he was a good guard and the league was ran by big men in his era, which wasn't a lie. That wasn't a criticism. That was a fact. When it comes to overcoming previous failures, I actually think this is the closest MJ and Mahomes are in this list. Reason being, they both did in fact overcome shit that they had to unfairly go through early on in their careers. For MJ, he had to overcome playing with a mediocre at best roster in his first three seasons along with facing the dynasties of the Celtics and Pistons simultaneously. Whereas Mahomes took on the Patriots dynasty in his first full season starting in the AFC Championship. But even with similarities being somewhat close in this regard, they're still very different. MJ did overcome those obstacles, but it wasn't until the competition league-wide got worse and his supporting cast got better also simultaneously. Meanwhile, Mahomes' competition got even better with the emergence of the Ravens, Derek John Henry running over everyone in his path, along with still having the Belichick-Brady-led Patriots threat still very much in existence. And did I mention the 49ers, who are one of the more complete teams we've seen in some time? Yeah, Mahomes overcame them as well. Moving to the saves his best for the big stage trait, this one isn't as close to me as it may be for some. MJ, in most regards, was clutch. But did MJ do anything close to what Mahomes did in the 2020 playoff run alone? As difficult as it might be for us to adequately compare players in two different sports... I look at both of these men in big moments and I've seen one consistently one consistently place one consistent place of the team in the best position possible to win a strike more times than any other. Game timing and go-ahead shots in the playoffs, MJ and his career went 7 of 15, which is 47% from the field. That's pretty damn good. But as we've seen in the last dance, there were several times in which MJ had John Paxson, Tony Kukoc, and Steve Kerr be the man that sunk the game and series decider. That's not a knock. That's also a fact. While Mahomes had been the one that has consistently steered the ship, bringing the Chiefs back from 17-0 to a fourth-quarter lead, giving his defense a chance to stop Tom Brady in the 2018 AFC Championship bringing back the Chiefs from a 24-0 deficit against the Texans and scoring four touchdowns in one quarter on his way to a 51-7 run, and they end up winning by 20. Bringing the Chiefs back down from 10 to the Titans to going on a 28-7 run and single-handedly ending not only the Titans, but the Chiefs' 50-year Super Bowl-less streak. And do I really need to mention the Wasp in the Super Bowl? I mean, I could, I could because like the Chiefs, we got time. <laughs> This one, again, to me, isn't close. Schrager's four, number four was insane vision and went on to talk about Mahomes' no-look pass to Demarcus Robinson against the Ravens back in 2018. I don't know how this reminds him of MJ, but maybe he was talking about the vision MJ had in the 90s when he saw the dynasties die away, six expansion teams added to the watered-down the league's overall talent and competition, how he had the world's best head coach and supporting cast and took advantage of it. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that was it. And we finally get to number five, and that's relentless intensity. Oh, yes. One I could almost completely agree with. Mahomes, like MJ, has been oftentimes titled the ultimate competitor. And it's true. When MJ played, he was insanely competitive. 
But there's an issue that MJ dealt with that I don't foresee Mahomes dealing with, and that's the inconsistency of said intensity and competitiveness, and this fact cannot be debated. And that's the fact that during MJ's career, he retired not once, not twice, but three different times. I don't know about any of you, but I don't see a scenario in which Mahomes retires more than a couple times during his career. And unlike MJ, Mahomes deciding to play baseball would actually make sense because he was actually good at it. Even with that considered, I don't see that being the way Mahomes' NFL career shakes out. Especially in the middle of a dynasty run, just like MJ. I understand how trends work. I understand the last dance is in trend in our current sports news cycle. I understand that MJ is still the marketing god of sports, just like I understand Mahomes is the best football player in the world. But greatness is not created equally. And I don't draw the same parallels and connect the same dots Schrager did when it came to these two great athletes. Let MJ be who he was and what he was, and let's take the same course of action when it comes to 15. We don't have to create comparisons when they're not necessary and when they don't make any real sense. To me, these two couldn't be much more different in many more ways than one. And to me, and to be honest, as a Chiefs fan, I prefer it that way. And that's where I'll leave it. Boy, episode 65 was an absolute blast. And, and again, we want to thank our guy, Sports Radio H- 810 WHB's Darren Smith. Please follow our guy. We've had him on the show, I think, at least four times he now. He fought a good fight tonight. fought a good fight. Hung an L. Totally understand. We'll take it <laughs> humbly. No big deal. We, we appreciate it. We appreciate Gat for all the hard work she's been doing behind the scenes. We really do appreciate everything she does. Clay Windler as well for doing all the stuff that we can't do and, quite frankly, I don't want to do. They let us just jab, jab our jaws up here all night long, and we try to make a good show, and we appreciate them for doing what they do behind the scenes. But we want to, more than anything, thank you guys. I don't think i got to say that early on in the show, but I do want to thank everybody that's been a part of this at Hang Stuff, that joins us on the Monday Mailbag, that contributes on the group and in our Twitter, and all social media platforms. Thank you all. Thank you to KCPN, the Kansas City Podcast Network, guys. If you are not big into sports or that's not the only thing you're into, if you're into politics, religion, uh, uh, pop culture, anything of that nature, guys, we got you covered at KCPN. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Get us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We got you covered all over the social media platforms. And like I said, we got several different shows, several different contact content providers that will give you what you're looking for, especially in trying times like this we're here for you and we love you guys we thank you so much for everything so for trevor twidwell for eddie ortiz mr yo 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 himself who's not here tonight for gat for clay windler for darren smith for everybody we want to thank you guys for this again until episode 66 is on the horizon We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoke. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.